0: Hello, dear listener. Now I know what you might be thinking. Did I click on the wrong podcast? Is this a trailer for the new Sonic movie where a character called Tails flies like a parakeet by rotating his incredible tails? I'm here to say no, you are indeed in the right place. This is the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by a 120 power star rating. Before today's episode with Silly Billy's Drew and Bryce, Enjoy this pre-show starring two of your favorite Nintendo characters. What's up everybody? It's Ami me, Super Mario. You may recognize me from notable Nintendo franchises, such as Mario Kart, Mario & Luigi RPG, Mario Golf, Mario and Sonic go to the Olympics despite Sonic's obvious advantage and, of course, Mario's hotel on the Philips C D I. This episode I'm joined by one of Nintendo's greats. He's the hero of time, holds the Triforce of courage, and is protagonist of the Legend of Zelda series. Everyone give a warm welcome to... Link. What a fantastic intro. I have to say I'm blushing a bit. Mario. That's my pleasure. Your mark on the video game industry is obvious. Since your initial debut in 1986, you set the path of what action-adventure games would become on home consoles.
1: Yeah I've honestly had a pretty good track record when it comes to the titles I have starred in, though Skyward Sword was a tough one. Most players would just spam the waggle on the Wiimote. Every day after work of being the protagonist of Skyloft I was exhausted. That was a difficult time for my wife and kids.
0: Oh I wasn't aware you were married.
1: Yeah, I usually like to keep my family life private from fans. A large portion of the community gets enjoyment from the thought of princess zelda and myself as an item i think the general idea is sweet but some of the artwork is to raunchy keep in mind she also has a family and a loving husband
0: i hear you there even myself as a character from a family friendly platformer gets drawn in some indecent ways
1: it honestly needs to stop sometimes my wife comes across them on rule 34 and i need to explain that they are only drawings the fans are so talented and have gotten good at mimicking the art styles of my games.
0: Video games are a relatively new medium compared to music and film. Going forward, we will hopefully see better standards for video game protagonists.
1: Hopefully, so, Mario.
0: We will continue this conversation in the future, but unfortunately, that is all the time we have for the pre show. Link, where can the listeners find you?
1: They can find me on Twitter and TikTok at Link is awesome. And starring in all mainline The Legend of Zelda titles.
0: Excellent. Now, Drew and Bryce, take it away.
2: Good day, everybody, and welcome to the House of Mario. The South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by a 120 Power Star rating. I'm your host, Drew Agnew, and the doors to episode 185 are open. This week on the show, we're reviewing Pokemon Snap. Or, oh, I guess, the new Pokemon Snap. We're not reviewing the one from 2000. That would be a bit redundant. And we're also talking about Nintendo Switch sales again. They keep updating them, they keep selling. And also some pretty fun information about a Zelda screenwriter. But to talk all
3: about that is my best mate, Bryce DeWitt. How you I, going? I can't believe you cameoed the Honest Trailers guy to get that.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I did. How much did that cost? I didn't actually do that. I'm not telling you how. I'll tell you after the show how I did that. All right, cool. <laughs> no worries. So I got um Bryce's reaction to our skit to start off with. Bryce, what did you think? We haven't done a skit in no, a while. It was great. Ben. Thanks. Yeah. So basically I found some software where you can basically just like type it out and it reads it for you. Oh, right. There you go. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun. So I thought it like it's hard for us because we sort of get to the room and that's we've got the podcast time. We've got two hours or however long it takes us to record for and we don't have the sort of time to, you know, sit down and actually do a skit, plan it out and record our lines and edit it and all that. So this way we might actually be able to, you know, use the same account and just like sit down in bed and do it on our laptops and do it okay so i don't know what do you what do you think about that yeah, it's pretty doing it that way we'll see what uh the listeners think about it and uh yeah we'll, we'll take a take the <laughs> take it on board
3: Jesus. <laughs> uh, i thought it was funny anyway yeah yeah no. as no, long definitely. as it entertains me to some extent <laughs> <laughs> entertain yeah Well, it entertain me you got me <laughs> <laughs> uh bryce how you been mate Hey, good. I'm good. How are you?
2: I'm pretty good. That's good. That's good. Absolutely. So, we've got cracking and Cola here, Bryce. we got to crack it. We do. we yeah. got to crack it. Kraken to crackin'. Um, After that, I've gotten a little bit warm, to be honest. A little bit warm? Yeah, actually, I've still got the heater on, too. I better, better turn that off. Yeah, Jesus, why?
3: <laughs> don't know, because it was cold in here. Oh, well. The house of is a bit cold. I guess, but, you know, I'm the one here with the jumper, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I guess, sir
2: uh, Bryce, the remote's over there. If you want to go and if you, oh if you can grab God, that for me,
3: Drew. all right. Just don't knock over my kraken. You're, no. f- you're famous for
2: that. I am famous for knocking over a kraken. But uh, while you're doing that, mate, it's time to uh, read a brand new Apple's podcast review. We got a five star one, which is absolutely fantastic. We actually got two this week, but we'll save, you know, we'll we'll save the other, other one for next week because. You know, we never know when we get another one. Yeah, that's We've true. Got to ration them out a little bit. Mm, mm. Mm. So this one is five stars and it's titled One of the Best. That's by Sean Capri from Canada. So thank you very much, Sean, you bloody oh, legend. Sean. So he's written this one. Uh, he, he's kept it in mind, but I will be reading this. So he's, uh, he's he takes us on a journey. All right. So let's go. Five stars. So this is a great podcast. And honestly, why aren't you already listening to it? Well, to be fair, if you're listening to this, you're listening to the podcast. Thank you very much, everyone. Mm. Anyway, uh, I mean, what's the matter with you? Do you have family issues? Well, you can join their Discord and talk about it. But it's like (laughs) a win-win. You win because you're listening to a great podcast. You win again because you sort out your family issues. (laughs) And you win again because the community is so fun. And I'm mostly writing this review, so Drew reads it on air. And I'm hoping this ridiculousness... Uh, makes him crack up because I enjoy his laugh and smile, and I think you will too. Oh, how sweet. guess oh, you, are. Sure? <laughs> <laughs> also, the guys threat not to release a new episode unless someone dropped a five-star review. So Ooh. there you go. Ooh. Ooh. Love you guys. Great podcast. Keep it up. Threats work.
3: Yeah, threats work. Try not to bang this. <laughs> <so> I can <laughs> drop this everywhere. But yeah, I, I would have hit it on. <laughs> so yeah, the threats worked. That's well, it. Threats. That's how we do it. So, what's the threat um, for next week, Bryce? Don't drop a five star review and we don't do another skit like that ever again.
2: Oh, I don't know. We don't know if they like that yet.
3: Mm, I don't know. That was pretty good. Do <laughs> <laughs> appreciate show
2: Look, we literally had. Who? What other podcast has had literally Super Mario and Link do an interview together?
3: Yeah, no. Nah, hey, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really would have
2: thought they would have had more of an accent, to be honest, but they didn't.
3: Oh, no, No. yeah. Yeah, there's something about the voices, you know. They sounded a bit um, almost uh, robotic. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) I wonder why. Mm. (laughs) I guess they are video game characters. Mm. Mm. They are, yeah, so. And I didn't hear one single, yeah, or wahoo. So, I guess. Did you ever think
2: before about, like, you know, these games are not necessarily the, their lives. This is just their day job at night time. It's a bit like Toy Story. They come alive w- once the console is turned off. They've I'd, got family, kids to feed. You I, just, know. I just feel sorry for Link's wife. That sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Princess Zelda's husband? It'll be a, be a nightmare. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, like, the Legend of Zelda series, it's a, it's a great seller for Nintendo. It'll be a great... So Link will be on a great wage. Great contracts.
3: Especially since a lot mm. of the art of Link these days is with the uh, whole uh, female Gerudo getup disguise. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably questioning
2: his sexuality at this point. It's so, like, Link, are we are we okay? So, no, we're fine, honey. I just literally, the player put me in this. Like the new game, literally, they can choose my armor and my costume. I could be
3: running around in my jocks. Mm. So What's going on there, Drew? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, something blacked out. I'm going to guess that your uh, camera is uh, flat. Yeah. (laughs) It is plugged in though. Yeah, it's plugged in.
2: Don't know. Who knows? Got to ignore it. The audio is more important anyways. What are you going to do? Yep. Oh, well, rip camera. Rip camera. Sorry,
3: camera. So if you're on YouTube this week. Uh, Bye, luck. Look at our (laughs) black screen. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic.
2: Fantastic. All Mm. right. So, Bryce, let's move into our Guru Geek Out for the week. And I want to give a big shout out to the pop culturists who celebrated episode 200 for their For the Plays, a PlayStation podcast. Ryan Betson and Max Cooper celebrated 200 episodes. And I just want to say a huge congratulations. They do an absolutely fantastic PlayStation podcast over there. Uh, Ryan has been doing it since episode one, and Max came in, uh, I think, late. <laughs> or early 2020. So really, really enjoyable show. If anybody is into PlayStation and want to find out more about the PS5 and uh, all of PlayStation's first-party titles, definitely go over and check out For the Players, the pop-culturist PlayStation podcast. Really fantastic. And, uh, yeah, once again, congratulations, Episode 200. We'll be getting there soon, hopefully, Bryce. Yeah, actually, yeah, we're pretty close. We're pretty close now. Pretty close. Yeah, 15 pretty episodes. Crazy. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, you think, like, oh, only 15, but, you know, that's like a few months. Yeah, but
3: yeah, and then there's then there's to three hundred, you know, to three hundred. Yeah, I guess yeah, it is. Yeah, well, two fifty and three hundred. These roads, man, I tell you, they're long, but they're uh, they're rewarding. They are definitely rewarding, mm, for sure. Yeah.
2: So, did you have anything you were thankful for? I know you went on a, a nice little getaway for the weekend. Was that anything you want to talk about? Or
3: yeah, uh, I think that's I think that's pretty much the extent. <laughs> getting out, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> getting out of town was was great i haven't mm. done it in such a long time thanks to covid so yeah you know yeah man you know i, I, I could have done it a while ago now realistically because we have we've you know pretty much gotten over that hump but i just wanted to get away but you know with with this year like I, I think we're both pretty called out on doing uh avcon and pax like i think that's pretty much off the table for us this year Mm. Which is a shame and that would make two years in a row that we haven't been able to attend and go and see people that we love and miss and, you know, all that stuff. But, um you know what, uh, as much of as a shame it is, it's obviously very important. You know, I think I mention it just about every episode. We talk about packs at this point. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, just getting out of town for a bit in general was nice and a bit of a relaxation, sort of a reboot. And, yeah. I think that's kind of what I needed. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, you need it every now and again. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Yeah. I went down into a mine. Ooh! Did you find any gold? No. Well, I saw gold and didn't find any to keep for myself, but just behind like a museum or something. (laughs) Yeah. So museum. So at um and for anybody's context that don't know what I'm talking about, uh, in in Ballarat and Victoria they have. you know, a ye old town there known as Sovereign Hill. And uh, it was, you know, a gold mining settlement. And they do the whole reenactment and all that stuff. Um, oh, I loved it as a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. This is the second time I've been. Um, we definitely had more time to run around and explore this time around with a bit more money on our belts to sort of do some cool stuff. Yep. Um, so we went down and we went for, uh, for a mine tour. We got some photos taken. We bought some old timey candy. We... You know, did all that neat stuff. And um, the mine tour was definitely interesting because, you know, I, I've i been underground before because obviously near us we have the caves, which for anybody that don't know the area we're in, it's basically just displaying, I guess, places that they found fossils and all that stuff yeah fossils of like
2: old ancient australian animals so like yeah. I, I forgot what the the term was but like the massive kangaroo and the massive wombat and yeah megafauna
3: yeah. yeah yeah they're like the size of dinosaurs almost like they're massive yeah huge yeah um so uh it was uh, i've already been in that and done that before but a mine was a bit was a bit of a different experience because it's sort of like you know it, it is a man-made structure for what it's worth it's not something that's natural that's been uncovered Um, it was something that's been worked on and reinforced and sort of you're walking through it and a lot of the secrets of the earth and all those niceties uh, like finding gold and all that stuff was all on display there. Um, We also went to the gold pour. Hey, look, the camera's back.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Just playing with it.
3: Um, The gold pour as well, which was uh, really awesome. That was basically just a physical demonstration of... What are you doing?
2: No, I'm just... I am listening. I'm just uh, trying to work out the
3: camera. <laughs> All right, he's trying to work out the camera. Anyway, um, we went to the gold pour, which is literally just melting down some gold, pouring it into a bar, cooling it down, popping it out and going, well, there you go, there's a gold bar and that's how you make one. And then you go... And then that's it. Um, but the interesting fact about that, I think, is that the gold bar that they had was worth $280,000 and they've been oh. re-smelting the same piece of gold for the last 30 years every day for a demonstration. Oh, shit. 30 years they've re-smelt it. Like, they, they've literally just, you know, bought it down, put it into a bar, like a, a cast, called it down, popped it out. Next one goes on, they put it back in the melting pot, melt it down. Yeah. And uh, I like that That in itself is kind of incredible. just tells you how durable gold actually is Mm. at a molecular level, I guess, being that deconstructed that many times.
2: When I was a kid, when I went there, like I I really wanted to be um, a gold digger, (laughs) not a gold digger as in like marrying some rich man or anything like that. Mm. But (laughs) just like all, all I wanted to do was like, have like a lot of money so I could buy toys. That's what, <laughs> And what, that's what it was. And then
3: I actually saw what being a gold miner was. Mm. And like, I'm like, that is awful. <laughs> no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was obviously like, and especially these days, like there's no way you're going to find find gold as a plenty as it was back in those gold rush times. You know, gold. the gold rush was obviously just an absolutely huge thing. So a lot of people jumped on the train picked up a hell of a lot of it and you know it's 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 mostly mostly depleted now for what it's worth there's obviously still some left there and all that stuff but yeah these days you could not manage that and in fact like even just getting a permit for doing something like that would probably cost you a hell of a lot of money it's a shame really yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, because I saw um, you put some photos on Facebook. You're
2: like, you know, searching for gold in like the river and stuff like that. You <laughs> find many specs, you put them in the bag, you get to take it home. Nah.
3: Nah. <laughs> nah, we went at it for about 15, 20 minutes and then we gave up, you know. Oh, right. <laughs> we, we, had like, we had like six adults and two children who have been walking around this, you know, reenacted town the whole day. So we're just like, and that was the last thing we did. We're just like, all right. <laughs> cool. You're like, I got a spec, cool, let's get it. Let's get out of here. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah, somebody got a spec, we put it in a tiny jar. We're like, all right, cool, and that's all the gold we need. See you like billionaires. Mm. Ding <laughs> ding 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 ding. Or you could just be like me and invest in cryptocurrency. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing, like the the gold rush, like the times the
2: times of a uh, long past then we're buying invisible things on the internet. Mm. Mm. What are they called? Like NRCs? NRTs? Oh, NRTs. NRTs, yeah. yeah. You're buying
3: like the rights to like Jack's tweet on Twitter, the very first tweet and just like dumb stuff like that. I hate that. I hate. um, Oh, sorry. NFTs. (laughs) NFTs, yeah. I hate NFTs. Like there's just something about NFTs that feels so vindictive. Mm. I don't know what it is. I want to sell the NFT for this very episode. Do you reckon someone will buy it? No, <laughs> no, I don't think I'll sell either. It's like <laughs> the th- the thing is with NFTs is like in comparison to cryptocurrency like Bitcoin or Dogecoin. It's like yeah, you you're sort of getting a product or a right out of it, but there's there's so much vindictiveness around it. Like there's there's like a gacha site where you can like gacha for NFTs, but to do that you have to spend cryptocurrency. And it's it's not cheap. It's like thousands of dollars are worth of cryptocurrency to like pull an NFT out of a gacha upon. So you don't even know what you're getting.
2: Yeah. Oh well, you can save your money then. You can
3: spend it all on crypto. Hey. Eh? Uh, yeah. Well, I rebought back into Doge again because Jesus Christ, that flew over the last week. <laughs> it went from we went from like 33 cents to 87 cents. What did you buy it at? Uh, my initial purchase was like three cents and then I sold it at 30 and Whoa. yeah rebought just again recently because it's obvious it's not gonna stop so I'm just gonna wait for it to go I bought a little bit and um, I'll just hold on to it from now and just see what happens
2: hopefully uh, the investment pays <clears> off well you'll be able to go full-time podcast editor <laughs> look
3: <laughs> I don't think it I don't think it'll pay off as much as it did for the people who bought Bitcoin back in 2012 but you know yeah. like it might be enough to sort of Put me put me at an edging point where I'm like, all right, cool. I can buy a house and buy it outright and just live my life. It might happen one day. Who knows? Fingers crossed. If it, if it doesn't, then I'll at least sell it for a tidy profit if I just hold on to it. <laughs> just blame the dog. <laughs> well, you know. God damn it, dog. Yeah. No, it'd be interesting to see what happens because it's just... I don't, I don't know what it is with dog, but it sort of went like from nothing. People bought it at nothing, spent like $1,000 on dog coin. Like there was somebody... There was somebody on the Dogecoin subreddit that invested at uh, 1K at like near its lowest, and bought 1K worth of Doge, and they were they were posting what their investment has sort of traveled to today, and it went up to like went from went from 1K to 256 thousand dollars.
2: Yeah, nice. <laughs> Anyone who
3: doesn't know what Doge is, by the way, it's a it's a type of cryptocurrency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the meme currency. Yeah, which is now soaring, like absolute mad i wish i kind of just kept investing back at like the three cents i was buying it (laughs) Mm, mm. because if i'd done that and had it had a bit behind me oh, that's the goose coming in bryce it's just trying to tell us stop going on a
2: tangent about cryptocurrency oh fuck off (laughs) (laughs) all right bryce so let's talk about the, the big game of the week or of last week new pokemon snap that uh came out made by bandai namco um, the second Pokemon game to be made by them. Very exciting stuff. You wrote a review for dashgamer.com.
3: I did indeed. Submitted today.
2: So go and check that out. That'll be in the show notes for anyone who's interested in
3: reading that one. When it turns up. <laughs> when, it ter- when it turns up. Yeah, when when it, the
2: publisher hits the, that magic that, that's button. That's
3: right. When it gets posted. Yeah. Yeah. Depends how much
2: paper left in the print. If there's enough black ink <laughs> for all those words you wrote about it
3: yep indeed yep <laughs> so Bryce, what did you think about it man let's right. uh, let's get into it good. Pretty, good pretty good um i would i would actually i'll tell you what i'll accept one thing from the review because it pretty much sums it up pretty much <laughs> right. i sent this to you earlier right? yeah so this is something that i wrote in my review and it's probably the the joke i'm proudest proudest of <laughs> i said the premise is simple you're an aspiring Pokémon photographer who joins a small team of Pokémon behavior researchers led by Professor Mira, a man who spends more time in his lab rather than actually interacting with the Pokémon he wishes to know more about, and three other photographers that would rather shirk their responsibilities onto you. I wrote "rather" twice.
2: No, <laughs> well, I'll,
3: pick, I'll pick it up for you. <laughs> yeah, I'll fix that. <laughs> that would rather shirk their responsibilities onto you than rerun the same course a second time and make you run it a twentieth.
2: that's the thing like as far as the story goes it's like can't you bars is like actually take some photos why am i doing all the work around here (laughs) taking photos of all these pokemon and all that yeah well
3: if only (laughs) (laughs) if only no like that that's the thing with pokemon snap and i expected it going into it is that it, it, it is repetitive and it is a game that is crafted for people that want to complete it and, you know, that that's kind of what it's it's designed to be anyway. And it has hmm. been ever since 1999, you know, rerunning the same thing over and over again until you get what you need and sort of, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's like important that people sort of try to treat it as a laid back experience more than anything. Um, how much have you finished?
2: Um, I've done a, a fair few areas. I don't know how many hours I've put into it. I haven't finished the game yet. Um. But like going into it, it's pretty much what I expected from the game. I wanted like a nice, relaxed, you know, on rails, you know, first person shooter, (laughs) Um, you know, not literally with a gun, but with a camera, taking photos of Pokemon and yeah, and apples. (laughs) It it is funny because some people point out Twitter because they're called like um, Fluff Fruit. Yeah, Fluff Fruit. And like, oh, no, they're nice and light. They won't hurt the Pokemon, but they look heavy as hell. Like when you when you throw them like you throw them in the
3: water and they just sink like a rock. Well, just think about just think about old Todd Snap back in the day. He was literally throwing apples at Pokemon. He did he did not have a care and he threw an item called Balls. Mm. Pesta. like literally designed to piss things off. <laughs>
2: yeah, so that's gone from this game because they didn't want to um have a negative co- connotation as far as uh, annoying the wildlife. So mm. in this one you just play some nice music. You uh, feed them with some apples. Yeah. Um, you can use the Illumina Orb to uh, uh, light up the Pokemon for, uh, I guess, a variety of different uh, snapping opportunities in the wild. Mm. And what I what I really like about it, because I didn't play much of the Nintendo 64 version. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, it's not a new experience necessarily. I have played the original game before, but this is the like first one I've owned and I'm actually um, actively playing. And I, I like that it's so repetitive because you go through every- uh, Cause like, you know, games these days they've gotten so big and you don't really explore like each area like mm. in-depthly. But this one, like, you're like, every tiny corner, you're like, if I do this there, will this happen? You're looking for like a chain reaction to every single location of every single yeah, level. Yeah, yeah. And I absolutely love it, because like even just watching people like Twitch streaming it be like, like I I've got like one Pokemon to find in this place and I don't know what it is. And you're just like looking for every little clue mm. and you see a Pokemon there and you like, it's doing nothing. You're like, all right, I think it's that, but I've got to feed it or I've got to play a song. Lumina Orb, um, whether you're doing it at nighttime or daytime, depending on what level you're doing it in. It's just like, it's really interesting trying to like figure that stuff out. It's very much like a, a puzzle game, trying to figure out what you're trying
3: to do and all that. Yeah. Um, the way that they sort of uh, work around, like you were saying just now um, about Chain Reactions, that is something that's pretty prominent in it, I find. Like, when you think about... I can't spoil too much, but later on in the game, there is there is one where it is literally you have to guide a Pokemon through a forest using crystal bloom flowers. So you have to throw Illuminate Orbs at the crystal bloom flowers at a specific time so that it catches them every time it sort of lights up. If you just smack them too early, like, it's not going to notice and it's just going to go to the closest one. Yep. But you know you got you got to sort of guide it, and then it actually le- leads to a conclusion that'll get you a rare snap that you wouldn't get any anywhere else. Um, so it's it, it's full of stuff like that, and that's awesome. You know, there's some unnoticeable stuff like you might see an apple in the tree, or you know whatever. Actually, now that I think about it, I'd said something to somebody earlier, but like the game is the game is largely lacking Gen Eight, like a lot. Mm. And I said there was only two in the game. But now that I think about it, there is three Gen 8 Pokemon. Be the starter Pokemon, wouldn't it? No, it is. is Sobble not in there? No. No, right. No, Grookey, Scorbunny, and Applin are the only three Gen 8 Pokemon. Yeah, right. But I, I largely forgot about Applin because you only see it twice in one course and then that's it. You never see it again. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's also the first time that you see it without the on, too. So, oh, that's interesting.
2: Yeah, see, I haven't come across Applin yet, so yeah. that's cool.
3: Yeah, so you know, uh, do do search out and do look everywhere. I think is the most important thing to take away from Snap. But that that's been the same even in the case of the nineteen ninety nine game. You know, like you want to sort of take a key eye to everything. There's a lot of missable secrets in the game. Um, and I've run every course several times, like quite easily. I've maxed a few of them, so I've seen a lot. But I had, I know, I haven't seen it all. I'm, I'm gonna get there. I think. I think I'm like interested enough to sort of keep going and at least get my courses like near max, just so I can see everything. Um, but there is a lot there to appreciate, um, even just in in the base, like the interactions between Pokemon. Uh, I don't know how many you've found, but even just like in the first in, in the first area, with you can get the Pidgeot to pick up a Magikarp, for example, if you do correct things and mm. sort of stuff like that. And it it is very largely, um, you know, reactions reactions based. I suppose. Actually, that's a good question. Who who burnt the apples in the park? Torchic. Was it Torchic? No, I don't know. So the only fire Pokemon in the park is Score
2: Oh cheeky score bunny.
3: Right. Mm. It was not score bunny. Believe it or not, it was not. He's been set up. Mm. It's a mulga. Oh. Mm. Spoiled for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it is it is something that you will you you literally not even think about it. Like you won't catch it unless you sort of do something with it. And that's like something that you can catch from the first time you run it. So it is just interesting to sort of like take that into account is that like, as the game specifically points it out as you know it's like oh could you guess who would have who would have done this to the apples so you immediately think score bunny because it's the only fire pokemon in the course mm. and then yeah no, it's, it wasn't scorebunny
2: yeah the one's hiding yeah because mm. it it, it's, it comes up a lot too like um leading up to launch like pokemon snap you know the first one a pretty like you know bare bones game in some ways just as there's like a, a heap of replayability there, but if you're just someone who's like, "Oh, that was a fun level, done it, mm. <laughs> bouncing out," uh, you know, there won't be so much content there for you. But like with this one, I I would say it is probably worth the um the 80 Australian bucks. Yeah. Especially if you're really interested in like really finding out every single Pokémon.
3: In in my review, I I put at the end of it that it's not going to be worth the $80 price tag if you're looking for length because you could rush through the game in nine hours. Yeah. I think is probably the fastest casual playthrough at the moment. Um, I'm sure people will probably find faster ways to do it. But um, if you if you like, if, if you just want a laid back experience and a bit of a collect-a-thon that's a little bit more on the light-hearted side and fun as opposed to an actual grind. Yeah, definitely. I think it's definitely worth your money. Um, but I think regardless of either one you are, if you can't pick it up at full price, it's definitely worth worth a pick up if you find it on sale. Yeah, definitely. Mm, yeah.
2: Who knows? It's one if it's one of those games that will go on sale because a uh, pocket tournament. That's one I haven't picked up on Switch, and I'm like, you know what? I'll get it for cheaper down the line. Uh, hasn't happened yet. <laughs> like there was a few um times when they put put out a like a trial on Nintendo Switch Online, and it was a bit cheaper then but it was still, you know, it still wasn't cheap. It was like, oh, you know, it's 60 bucks. What a deal. So that was a Wii U game from 2016.
3: Yeah, <laughs> but this is a new game. And if they yeah, put yeah. it down to 60 bucks, like I wouldn't complain too much. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: No, no, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not really um, comparing it, but I'm just saying that it probably won't drop in price. It's one of those uh, evergreen Nintendo titles. They'll keep up there. They'll their, surf it. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. And I understand that, yeah.
2: Yeah. And what, what's your opinion on, say, someone who's like, you know what? I can't stand the Pokemon RPGs. I'm not into turn-based. I'm not into that bullshit. But I do like little cute creatures and this looks entertaining. What would you say to people
3: like that? I mean, yeah. Um, if you are if you are into Pokemon in general but don't enjoy the games and you're looking for a Pokemon game to enjoy, this is one you can get behind. Um, I think the best option you could possibly do first is even if you've got a Wii U, you can just get the original Pokemon Snap on your Wii U and give that a crack first. Mm, yeah, true. Um, and if you like it and you are looking for something that's a bit more substancy because obviously Pokemon Snap, the original one, goes so far, you can finish it in less than two hours. This one's a lot,
2: um, obviously a it's, lot better to look at as well. It's
3: very meaty. Uh, it's very meaty in terms of how much actual, you know, pictures you can take and all that stuff. That's my foot. In <laughs> <laughs> um, how much pictures you can take and like the scenarios that they can be taken and um, the different paths you can take. Uh, and, you know, it's, <clears throat> it's definitely more of an experience and like even past the end of the game, there's stuff to look for. Like there's some, uh, berry Pokemon flying around and stuff like that. Not going to tell you who, but, they're there. Just gonna find them. As, as far as I'm concerned, there's no shinies in the game yet. Yet, you know, depends on their content update schedule whether they're going to have any or what have you. Haven't heard anything about it yet, but uh but for now, yeah, there's there's plenty to sort of take pictures of. Even even in the post game, there's there's something to hunt, I guess, and hunt for the perfect pictures. For Uh you've obviously got the high score system, so if you really feel like a Bit of a high school junkie, you can do that and compare yourself with other people okay. online.
2: Yeah, so th- that's actually a pretty great feature. I like how they have um, the social element, and even uh, with like the professor when he's like, "All right, I'm going to um, grab this photo and put it up because I like it." I reckon that's a good feature as well because even if you can't be bothered posting your own photos, you can have photos going up anyway.
3: That's right, which
2: is pretty cool and. Um, on launch day, I was going through like some people's snaps and, you know, they were pretty good. But like going forward, you're going to get some pretty incredible looking photos to go through, I think, and mm-hmm. get some inspiration for your own Pokemon photography.
3: Yeah. And if you're feeling really ambitious, you can use an Inst- InstaTix pick a, uh, printer. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. To um, print your photos out. They actually made a specific one for Pokemon Snap as well. Yeah, Fuji,
2: okay. yeah, Fujifilm. Um, it's basically like a case that sort of just like slips over the printer. Yeah, um, but it's interesting. It's two hundred bucks in Australia. I think uh, I think EB Games had it up for pre-order. So if you're interested in that, go and check that out. But you know, personally, I'm not a scrapbooker or anything. So
3: no, I'd like to make a collage out of it though. I think that'd be
2: yeah. that'd be something pretty cool to do. What I'm actually surprised about in the last week actually is, like I haven't seen this game on Twitter. I thought this would just like. Take over my Twitter account, just be like, "Here's photos of people playing," or whether I'm just not
3: following like Pokemon Snappers. I've seen a fair few pictures, but Mm. yeah, you're right. I don't think it's I don't think it's blown up. I thought yeah, I thought it would have
2: just taken over
3: my Twitter account, but it just hasn't. Yeah, you you follow a lot more people that do Pokemon than I do too, so I suppose that yeah. And
2: like in saying that, I haven't posted anything so.
3: No, you know. So I I guess I'm I'm a
2: part of it too.
3: I'm. I'm uh, actually. actually
2: I did. I posted a picture of a whale lord, which is just a blue
3: screen. Yeah. I I will actually point that out because I forgot to do that at the start of it. But my uh, copy was provided by Nintendo, so do keep that in mind, obviously. But my opinions are my own. Um, (laughs) Just chuck it in the middle. Well, yeah, you know, I I better say something. Um, That being said, uh, you know. I, th- I think, I think for me, the only reason I hadn't really done anything with it is because, you know, I am, I am sitting there trying to write this review and it is sort of just another brick in the wall. So, and I never ended up doing it, but I am interested to see, you know, the pictures that people come up with, I guess. I, 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 I reckon the Inst- the Instateaks thing is like a a good thing because that sort of brings back the whole... Uh, what was, that? was it? Game Boy printer you could hook it up to in the sixty four.
2: Um, a lot of people talk about going the blockbuster and printing it out, but yeah, right. That that was yeah you know, something I didn't do because it was before my day,
3: or you know, I didn't play the
2: game either. Yeah, or I didn't have a sixty four, so
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. But um, yeah, no. So it is, um, it is, it is cool that you can do stuff like that, and you could sort of make your own unique collages out of the Pokemon uh, photos that you take, which is uh, definitely awesome. And I would love to do something like that with maybe just like a pinup board and just Mm. do that. I think that'd be be awesome. And I think that's just going to be one of the things the game's going to be great for. But I think as for sharing actual photos, like I think people are more interested in trying to get the perfect photo to put up on Twitter, which requires you to constantly sort of drag it out. Because a lot of the photos you see on social media of Pokemon Snap that people have taken are of like a perfect framed picture of Badoof's dump truck ass, or <laughs> or a Finneon or a finion that looks at you seductively, or you know. But like, yep. d- despite the memes. They are like high quality, like really good snaps yeah. that people have taken. It's
2: like, you know, a lot of it's funny when you're playing the game, like a lot of your photos are just like, oh, yeah, what? Like you see it come up, you're like, oh, that was pretty ordinary. then mm-hmm. yeah. But like every now and again, you do one, it's like, oh, that was good. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, I'm definitely saving that one. Like, there's a one in like the first level where the Bidulf are, are coming down the, the river and they're going to go under the bridge. Mm. And like, I just like, got a really good one of them hold, like, hold holding the apple and like looking, like playing with one another. I'm like, oh, that was really good.
3: Yeah, yeah, like
2: it's just like moments like that. It, that's when
3: like the real satisfaction comes out. Like I'm trying to remember it, but I got like um, during during a regular run, I got a, I got a uh, 5k picture of a Pokemon, and I was just like, holy shit! Like that was my first like absolutely massive score hit, and I don't think I've taken a better picture since. I, I can't I can't uh, remember exactly what it was though, but even just like capturing stuff like that, like capturing your really good pictures. And then um, putting them up on social media, like I think that's a fantastic thing. Like, and the ability to do that is good, but it's it's another step. Like, I I feel like the switch isn't too bad at quick sharing content, but as we know, it's kind of a like it's kind of a system we've forgotten about because of how much of a pain in the ass it is to do it with specific games. Like mm, yeah, Smash, right. for example. Well, we, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that's like... So we, we we know it's there and we take the film... Like we, we take the screenshots and we take the recordings. But I don't think we ever really do anything with them. It's kind of like um, with uh, Monster Hunter Rise, for example. Uh, Team Darkseid does Monster Hunter Rise gone wrong every week. Mm. And it is people just submitting their clips. And they have an instructional segment that goes for about a minute and in every single video to to get people to give them the highest quality possible because otherwise it makes a really shit YouTube video. Yeah. So it's like basically their processes is, is uh, you know, hit the record button after you, something weird happens and then what you want to do is you want to take a USB cable, plug it into your computer and then you want to navigate through your switch, pull out the video and then you want to upload it to your Google Drive and then you want to take a copy of that link and make it shareable and editable and then you can (laughs) send it to us in an email in which we can download it and then put it into a video.
2: It's like it's almost as convoluted as uh, sending a video into funniest home
3: videos. It's like, why can't we just hit the button, go share to YouTube and upload it? It shouldn't be that difficult and then you can just share the link with them
2: yeah do you remember mario kart 8 had the uh, you could upload videos to youtube from mario kart 8 on the wii u yes yeah yeah just that just that game god forbid anything else like oh. Nintendo's like we're not as proud as the other games just just <laughs> that
3: one show off that one like why does it have to be that complicated that we have to mm. connect the whole device up to a computer just to remove it and then re-upload it to the internet. Well,
2: Bryce, you know, that's just the world we live in with Nintendo. You know nice. how it is, mate. I guess. 2021, but it's not going to get any better, I'm,
3: a, I'm afraid. But there must be something along the lines of that as well with Pokemon Snap. Maybe you can't take... Can you take in-game screenshots? I have no yeah, idea. You can.
2: I've, I've done it and uploaded it. Yeah. Right, okay. You, you
3: can do it, yeah. Okay, that's good then. But Maybe, still. Uh, I'm just following the wrong hashtags or something, but I
2: guess uh, talking about, like, taking good photos, what do you think of the actual... Um, like how the photos are scored. So you've got two different types of score. You've got the the number score. Mm-hmm. And you've also got the star score, which uh, goes from one to four stars, and they're also ranked from uh, bronze to diamond. You do know what the one to four stars means, mm. yes? Okay. All yeah, right. it's like different. Yeah, different. Po- like yeah, different poses. Yeah. So if you want the four star, you need like the secret um yeah. sort of animation yeah. or whatever.
3: It kind of just determines its rarity as opposed more more than anything else yeah. it actually doesn't determine anything towards your score yeah so you could
2: get like a a better scored one star than a four star potentially it yeah. depends on
3: how well you uh frame the the shot and then the uh the accolade awards so bronze silver gold and diamond i, I think assume it's, it's diamond it looks like diamond yeah it's oh. like between 2000 and 3000 is uh, bron- uh, sorry two thousand two thousand and two thousand ninety uh two thousand nine hundred ninety nine is bronze, and then three thousand to three uh, thousand four hundred and ninety nine is silver. Three uh three to three nine 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 is gold, and then onwards is diamond. Yeah, it I just shows think. you how much like you have to go through each level too, because
2: <laughs> like if. As many photos as you can take, you can only, like, take away one photo of that Pokemon.
3: Yeah. (laughs) So,
2: like, if you get a a one-star and a four-star, you can choose. You're obviously probably going to choose the four-star because that's going to be the harder one to get in the future. But then you've got to go through that level a minimum of four
3: times, and it's going to be way more than that. That's right. For each Pokemon. And there's 24 courses, so you are looking at 96 times at the absolute bare minimum to find everything. But the chances of you doing that in 96 times... Are so incredibly, stupidly low. If especially if you're not watching, not, not looking at a guide, mm. that you're going to be running these courses a hell of a lot. And there's there's twenty four of them. So keep that in mind. <laughs>
2: so like yeah, it's just, if you're into the
3: game, there is sort of no lack of gameplay there. There's plenty. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's just it's the repetitiveness that'll put people who want longevity. You know, that'll, that'll put them off. I personally don't mind, and, like, you know, that's something that's carried on with me from the original Snap anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm used to just going back into courses and going... Yeah. But for people who never really sat down and experienced the older game, so newcomers to Snap, you know, that's definitely not what you're going to be looking for if you're looking for longevity. Um, it is very much a collect It's a funner collect-a-thon than most collect but it's still a collect-a-thon. Yeah. Um, Got to snap them all, it's Pokemon. Well, that's right. And then people returning to snap. I think you pretty much know what to expect at this point. I, like, I don't think that anybody needs to be told that you're going to be doing the same course over and over again because I think people are aware of that. Yeah. Um, Just be aware that you're going to be doing it more than you were in the original game, uh, I believe, anyway. So, yeah. yeah.
2: I like, personally for me, really enjoy it. But um, like the first night, I played like two hours of it, but I, was, I got to the point where, you know, I've had enough. I don't have to... I personally can't do it for like, you know, four or five hours just playing Pokemon Snap. I had to change it up a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, don't know if you're the same or you just smashed out 10 hours in the one sitting or-
3: Yeah, no. During my time playing it at least, I mean, I was in Ballarat when I started. Um, I got it on the day that I got to Ballarat. Uh, so I had stuff to do in between then, so it didn't really bother me too much. But then when I got home, like it was it was kind of a case of like, oh yeah, I'll play some. I'm like, all right, time to put it down. And then um, I bought- cyber sleuth complete edition mm. which was uh 19 on steam so i bought that and then i was like all right i'll play some of that and then you know i'm like oh, i'll go to genshin impact play some of that and then at night i'm getting to bed i'm like all right probably time to play some snap and then i'll do that yeah there wasn't any like extended gaming sessions that were like eight hours straight of pokemon snap <laughs> but you know uh i think the most i spent at one time was definitely probably about four or five hours yeah yeah
2: okay Yeah, that's a good stint. I Mm. saw um, on the weekend, uh, content creator A Drive was doing a charity stream for 30 hours. Yes, he was. Playing Pokemon Snap.
3: I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, have fun with that A Drive. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah. (laughs) That's, yeah, definitely, definitely uh, ambitious, especially considering, again, you know, that game could be finished up in nine hours very fast. So he would have to be doing a lot of reruns to keep that 30 hour stream going. Yeah. Yeah, just smash it out and just, yeah. one sitting
2: yeah Yeah. so i think that's sort of our thoughts on the game um actually one thing i will add is um uh, if you're playing this game definitely chuck on a a headset because like the audio design in this is actually quite good like it is yeah i um i got actually a brand new pair of headphones i i picked up returnal for the playstation 5 uh on the weekend and i picked up the uh the pulse 3d headset for the ps5 as well the actual the sony one and um, it comes with a little dongle and I'm like, you know, I wonder if this works with Switch. Plug it into the dock, um, turn on the headset, works straight away. Beautiful. like absolutely Had, had to do absolutely nothing. Gorgeous. Like, fantastic. So I can use this for Switch and PS5. Fantastic. Nice and easy. Um, so I was using that playing Pokemon Snap. I could finally have a headset listening to audio while playing on the TV. That's something I haven't done on the Switch mm. because it lacks Bluetooth audio, as we all know. Yeah. Um, but yeah it sounded awesome because like, you can hear something that like you haven't caught before. like I know what that is like is that an Arbok? and you can like hear it like behind you and, like, so then you like, swivel around and like you're looking through the bushes you're throwing apples and like, then you can see it. So it actually like helps you discover things in the game. So definitely chuck on a pair of
3: headphones if you're interested in getting this. See I didn't get I, I didn't have the I didn't have the thought to think about that while I was doing my playthrough. Like I didn't do it at all. I mostly mm. play, played it in handheld. For what it was worth. Yep. But now that I think about it, yeah, you're right. I think the audio does does definitely help a lot with it.
2: Yeah, no, it definitely enhances it because like, you know, you're slowly moving like along your rail. Yeah. And like you just like you it puts you in that space a lot more. I don't know like um like what type of quality like this pulse 3D headset is for the three D audio. I know it does all that three D audio stuff on PS5, but Mm. No, it works really well on Switch. So if anyone is actually looking for a headset and you ha- have a PlayStation as well, that is definitely a great headset to get if you're looking for one. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, I've plugged it into the Xbox. I wonder if the PlayStation headset works on the Xbox. Of course it doesn't. Didn- didn't work.
0: <laughs> works on
2: the
3: Switch though. Wow. I've got an Xbox specific one. So we're rivals here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did you get the Xbox one? Did you? I've got uh, the Xbox... Um, uh, Rogs. What? Rogs. Yeah. Uh, no, not Rogs. Fucking, um, Jesus. Xbox. Plantronics. Uh, rigs. Sorry. Rigs. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking Republic of Gamers. Um, right. Yeah, but no, the uh, Plantronics Rig 600X, like the the expensive pair of wireless headphones anyway, because I owned the uh, 600 yep. before that, and I love them headphones, so I bought the Xbox uh, version quite a while ago, and it works for my PC, and they're really good. They're
4: really good oh.
3: anyway um there anyway besides that anyway speaking of sound design real quick i do i do just want to talk about the soundtrack real quick um mm. it's really good and like it's nice orchestral pieces it sounds very pokemon but and i wrote this in my review too once you get into the zone like it helps immerse you initially but once you get into the zone you start zoning out of that music and i stop hearing it yeah, like yeah, because it is largely a visual experience. <laughs> yeah,
2: as soon as you said it, I'm like, I can't really remember apart from like, no, m- mashing through the dialogue when you're sort of going
3: through, no, like between areas. Yeah, I, I went back and <laughs> listened to it for the review, like through a YouTube video, because I had to. I'm like, <laughs> I cannot remember like after the first hour and a half of the music. The music is good. I mean, to be
2: fair, it goes real quiet, so you can hear like waterfalls
3: and leaves and I suppose it cries does. and stuff. I suppose. suppose it does yeah but it's a shame in its own sense because there is like this big orchestral track behind it that's actually quite nice but you just you tune out of it you don't hear it anymore i literally don't remember hearing hearing any music in the last like seven or eight levels except for the last photo opportunity yeah right it is literally like the it it just went barren. I just don't remember it like <laughs> at all. It's just gone out yeah. of my head. It's definitely
2: one of the, yeah. It's definitely one of those games where it's just sort of it's there. It it does enhance the experience, but you just it's not it, in your head. It's no. not. It's not like playing a Legend of Zelda game. You get the horrible field. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And in that, you notice the big open field, and you notice the music straight away. Yeah, that's right. But, yeah. But if like if the the music would just get in the way, if, if that's if, right. if the music was like, oh, this is a rap and beat, you yeah. just like going for the jungle like. Mm, <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm missing all the Pokemon. I'm just dancing. I can't get enough.
3: <laughs> no, I definitely agree. Like, I, I, put it, I put my praises in the review that I wrote. Like, that it is good. It's just, it, it takes much, much more of a backseat than what you expect in a video game. And, like, and I understand that it's, like, more or less a visual experience and that sort of takes your focus. But as somebody that listens to a lot of video game soundtracks and remembers them, it was really weird to not remember any yeah. of this whatsoever. Because
2: uh, Pokemon Snap, did that have a memorable um, original soundtrack?
3: <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, you yeah, know, similar thing. So, it is it is a little bit of a shame, I guess. Uh, don't, buy <laughs> don't,
1: don't buy it. Don't buy it. No, well,
3: you know, it is, it is a little bit of a shame. It's just sort of like, yeah, it absolutely beats me as to why it sort of just ended up the way. It did, and I don't remember any mm. <laughs> because it is quite nice. There is some nice music there that's it, just completely gone, missed, just hasn't stuck in my head. All right, well, you have to download the soundtrack on Spotify and dance to it. Oh, my last disappointment is that uh, for a very shortly scripted game, hardly any of it was voice acted. Yeah, true. Because the voice acting they had was good, but why? Why the fuck didn't they just voice act the whole thing? Because every now and they go, every now and again they just chuck it in. And they talk. Oh. They, okay yeah oh cool <laughs> like they, they'll talk during like the scenes where it's more of a cgi movie clip type thing or what have you but then all of a sudden it like disappears and they're back to text boxes and they're like huh? yeah yeah wow <laughs> yeah wow cool <laughs> and you're like oh, couldn't you just like the, the script wasn't that long like I, I've, I've seen all the text boxes in the game all the unique text boxes the script is not very long. It's not huge. Couldn't have you just paid the voice actors just that little bit more to stick around and just do all of it. It would have been great.
2: I could, yeah, I could imagine the Pokemon company just like, all right, this is your, your voice acting budget. Yes. Yeah, and it's also your lunch budget, so you know you got to uh, sort of think about it. So the guys at Bandai Namco, like, you tell you what, let's just put twenty bucks into the voice acting, and you know, we'll spend eighty bucks on lunch. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll, we'll treat ourselves. Development's been pretty hard, COVID. You know, let's treat ourselves. So yeah. that's maybe why
3: the voice acting is not quite where it is. Uh it it just it just <laughs> it just feels like typical, like, you know, they don't they don't want to spend any more than what they have to, and like yeah, yeah you know. The, the voice actors, they they popped up on Twitter and they're like, oh, I voiced this character and I voiced this character. and It was yeah. like, you just like said cool. They're really yeah. happy about it. Yeah, that's right. Like, <laughs> it's like apart from like a couple a couple of clips, like you guys really didn't get to display your talent. And from what I could tell, like they were pretty talented people. Yeah, especially when this game um, is like, you know,
2: it's, there are Easter eggs in the background that refer to the anime. So this... This sort of game is like sort of more in the anime than it is like the Pokemon RPGs and all that yeah, as well. Yeah. So just like get some of your voice actors. Like you, you run a whole anime, one of the most successful animes, most longest running animes in history. Just bring some of those boys over, those girls over. Yeah. Chuck some lines into your snapping game. Yeah, that's right, yeah. They yeah. could have
3: done it. They could have done it. The whole thing could have been voice acted and it would have been absolutely brilliant and it would have like added a whole whole another layer of just like quality i suppose yeah definitely there's jrpgs that sell you know (laughs) half
2: a million a quarter of a million nowhere near the numbers as pokemon will yeah we're going to the sales for pokemon snap it's sold a few million already just in the uk like it's they'll make their money back if they pay someone to voice the hey let's go to the forest and snap some uh, weeping bell what do you think (laughs) oh yeah professor that's a good idea
3: (laughs) (laughs) Is this your? Uh, is this your uh, audition tape for voice acting? We should just dub it ourselves. <laughs> We've got but the microphones, just like you know. Even you know, in something like Breath of the Wild, I suppose we're like there's so many lines of dialogue that it's hard to keep up of wherever everything is. Like maybe that's something like that, I'd understand. But it just like here, it was like, damn it! You could have just done the whole thing, and it would have made the world feel that that more alive mm. also the the pokemon uh just doing their cries and not like
2: not doing the more anime like sounds whereas like saying their name or little like actual acted grunts or squeaks or whatever um that would have been nice nice as well but these are all like you know at the end of the day we don't it's not the biggest thing but it is just like a bit
3: of a nitpick that would have added to the presentation yeah for sure yeah Oh, anyway, I think that's pretty much my complaints. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Otherwise, otherwise, it's a, it's a pretty solid experience for what it is.
2: Yeah, great game, a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, it's pretty much what you expect if you played the original Nintendo 64 and if you're a newcomer to Nintendo Switch and you went around with Nintendo 64 days, go and check out a review or so or some footage, whatever, see if it interests you. Um, it's just a nice, delightful collectifon,
3: really. That's all it needs to be. But it
2: immerses you in the world of Pokemon. That's right. That's all it needs to yeah. be. Yeah. Alright Bryce, that's great talking to you about that and just let's jump into some Nintendo News, alright? <laughs>
0: yeah! Is that all? Oh, hi. I fight
2: for my friends. Alright like right, Bryce, so this week in Nintendo News, we're gonna go over some new Pokemon Snap. Uh, charts in the uh, in the UK. So it's gone quite well in the UK, Bryce, and this comes from gamesindustry.biz. And the article reads, New Pokemon Snappers topped the UK physical retail charts in its debut week. The Switch game sold over four times as many copies as uh, at launch than the original managed, which reached number nine way back in September 2000. The game arrived in the middle of Pokemon Mania. However, it was a Nintendo 64 title which was a console that struggled to, to sell in the UK. Um, so it sold 1.5 million Nintendo 64s when compared to 5.4 million PlayStations at the time, Bryce. So, oh. yeah, she, you know, we all know the UK was a, a PlayStation-dominated place and it still is to this day. Um, so continuing on, over the time, Pokemon Snap went to become a decent hit for the console. Switch is significantly more successful than Nintendo 64, but even compared to more recent games, the results look quite good. New Pokemon Snaps opening week is 2.5 times bigger than the last Pokemon spin spin-off game, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Rescue Team DX, which launched on Nintendo Switch in March 2020. It is the third biggest launch uh, of the year um, behind, oh, sorry, Switch launch uh, of the year behind uh, Super, Mario, Super Mario World, 3D World, of Fury, and Monster Hunter. So in saying that, is like the third biggest big game for the Switch this year. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. in saying that as well. Uh, the photography game was also comfortably ahead of number two, which was another new release in the form of the PS5 exclusive Returnal. Sony's roguelike game is the first significant PS5 title to release at retail since launch, and it reviewed strongly. However, its launch sales are below what we've seen from previous AAA PlayStation exclusives. Of course, there are more than a few caveats to consider. Uh, The the PS5 in its early days in terms of install base and the game's price is high. Um, So over here, it is $125. Isn't that
3: fucking ridiculous? (laughs) It
2: faces stiff competition for the next uh, next week's Resident Evil Village, which is uh, in a niche genre. With all the PS5 games, we should expect sales to rise and fall as more consoles come to market. So anyway, Bryce, looking really good for the UK at least, and I'm sure in the in the US and other markets as well, um, Pokémon Snap is going to go really well. So fantastic launch week for Pokémon Snap. Hope it continues. Hope uh, Bandai Namco get the recognition they deserve, because uh, I guess with POC and Tournament being in like the the fighting genre, it, like. It, It wasn't as uh, accessible to just, uh, you know, everyday Pokemon fans necessarily. So Mm. this is definitely like the casual get you in, just take some photos, enjoy the world of Pokemon. Yeah. And uh, yeah.
3: That's all it needs to be. That's all it needs to be. That's right.
2: So, this one actually came out today, Bryce. So, this is uh, from Nintendo. They announced
3: a brand new game called Game Builder Garage. Bryce, did you see this today? I actually did not know, but I've been hearing all about it from people's hashtags.
2: Yeah. So, it's really interesting. It, um, I saw it today and I'm like, oh, this is really cool. And the way they put it and phrase it, I'm like, oh, my God. This is before I saw any uh, gameplay or anything. I'm like, this sounds awesome. But uh, we'll get into what it actually is. So, um, from Nintendo.com, uh, uh, they say... For the game, have you ever dreamed of building your own video game? Uh, The Game Builder Garage software is a great place to start. Anyone can learn the basics of game design and visual programming with step-by-step lessons created by the minds at Nintendo. So that last line, Bryce, the step-by-step lessons created by the minds at Nintendo, I expected like a... just Straight away, this is what came to my mind. was like a Skillshare course from... Like, oh, a water, <laughs> not a water, fucking Miyamoto. Miyamoto, you know, something like that. Like, Hey guys, this is how you make a bloody triple A video game. Or so or check out a, a numerous uh, series on how to make a excellent action adventure game. But it's not quite that it's, um, it's pretty much Labo obviously without the physical component, but it is for programming and like game design. Yeah. right. Um, Because like with Labo, it's very much like, uh, you know, you know, get get your hands uh, dirty. Get that cardboard folded, put it together. Uh, good for kids to, you know, just learn how to construct something. Whereas this is very much just like on the software side of things, where it makes it very simple, just with the the interface and everything to like make a character, control it, make an environment for it, and it looks looks really interesting. Um, so and when I first saw it as well, I'm like, it'd be great if uh, Nintendo could offer a software that is like free or like very cheap. Like to sort of... um To be that even that stepping stone because every now and again, like I don't know if you've probably had this before, Bryce, but you think to yourself like, well, it would be cool to actually learn to make a game and like stuff yeah. like engines like Unity and Unreal Engine, they are available to download on your PC and, uh, you know, start creating stuff, start learning. You can go online, get some lessons. and But, you know, that's pretty, you know, high tech stuff. That is what actual game developers use. Yeah. So, it's not like you know, just start jumping in from nothing. It is uh, like a very big step. But having something like this, where it's like just on your Switch, you could have a kid could have a Switch light and just be like, I'm going to make a video game. And like, you got this, but it is $30 American. So I assume it's going to be like 45 here. That's just like a, a rough conversion of what stuff usually sort of happens here. So it's not really a cheap bit of software, but um, it's still, it, it is still cheap enough um, for that accessibility to like, you know, say if Evie was like, you know what? Put it in front of her and she's just like, you know, putting like lines between like, all right, I want this character to jump and move with the control stick and stuff like that. I reckon it could be a great idea. And if I had something like this when I was a kid, that wasn't like some big techie thing on like the PC where you had to like really understand what's going on. I think it would be fantastic. Yeah. So good on Nintendo for doing it. So um, they, they've got here. So uh, the included guided lessons can teach you how to build seven fun games. Uh, so... What are these seven games? So there's one called Tag Showdown. So build a game of tag for two people to play. Uh, Watch your head uh, (laughs) on a roll. Uh, Steady now. Use motion controls to roll the ball through a maze. Uh, Thrill racer. Take on a computer driver in an exciting race to the finish line. So it looks like you've got like some games you've got to sort of construct yourself. So I guess in that sense, it is kind of very much like Labo. It's like, all right, you're going to make a like a, a piano and a, like the step-by-step how to build it mm-hmm. to give you an idea. So interesting anyway. So that comes out June uh, 11th. So not too long for that if uh, you're interested in that. Um, it's one of those things where I think this is at a bit more of a, like a younger audience. It's very much like, all right, you're going to sit down with your kid and just like, all right, so you drag this there and that. Like it's it's not going to teach us. It's not going to make us into like Miyamoto's overnight. No. <laughs>
3: Yeah, no.
2: Yeah, would this be like? Would this be something you'll be uh, interested in showing your kids? Or yeah, sure. Um, I don't know when is it available. Uh, June eleventh. There you go. Yeah, so it's still a while off. So that's pretty much going to be very close to the E3 presentation as well.
3: Yes, that's pretty is. cool. Yeah, that's probably when they'll really show it off and yeah, what people can do with it. Again, E3. Like
2: I'm, I'm waiting
3: for it. I'm waiting yeah. for it. We'll be, we'll
2: be talking about E3 later on in the episode. Yep. All right, so we're moving on to Nintendo Insider and they talk about some of the uh, recent Nintendo financial report data that came out. I always enjoy these. I'm very, uh, very nerdy when it comes to this. So the article is Nintendo Switch has sold 84.59 million units worldwide. And the writer is Alex Seedhouse, and the article reads, Nintendo has announced uh, that more than uh, 84.59 million Nintendo Switch consoles have been sold worldwide. In the last three months, uh, covering the start of July up until the 31st of March 2021, uh, 4.7 million uh, 4.72 million Nintendo Switch consoles have been sold. That means that 28.83 million consoles have been sold in the last financial year, which Nintendo calculates as a representing an increase of 37% year-on-year. Year. There were 20 uh, million Nintendo Switch consoles sold and 8.51 million Nintendo Switch, uh, Switch Lite consoles sold. Nintendo has now sold more than... Fo- uh, f- 587 million Nintendo Switch games. And if you want to know which are providing the most popular, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe has now sold 35.39 million copies. And just behind it still is Animal Crossing New Horizons, which has sold 32.63 million copies. Number three is Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, which has sold 23.84 million copies Number four is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which has sold 22.28 million copies. Number five is Pokemon Sword and Shield, but have sold 21.10 million copies. And Super Mario Odyssey is number five with uh, 20 million and 20, yeah, 20.83 million copies. So a lot of uh, copies sold, a lot of Nintendo Switches sold. Mm. And uh, I just want to... Uh, Take us back to the days of the Wii U. Over the four years, the Wii U was the main home console for Nintendo. It sold thirteen point uh, point something million units. Yeah. So the Switch, in the last financial year from March to March, has sold more than double of what the Wii U did in its whole life cycle. Yeah. That's what we're dealing with here. Yeah. Um. So you know, it's it's great. Nintendo's going going well. It's it's um. I'm,
3: oh jesus christ jesus you're right over there mate yeah that had to come up that one. one oh fair enough i anyway. sure, sure everyone enjoyed that one with their freaking <laughs> headphones in um
2: but yeah just uh I'm, I'm personally i'm happy that uh nintendo is going well because they are making products that i am enjoying very much yeah so um you know if they sell well if they do well they're gonna make more of them because uh, back in the day when they were making a lot of like, oh, we're going to put out Wii Sports. Wii Sports is great. What about Wii Play, Wii Fit, all that. They just kept making that stuff. and That sold well, so they kept them making it. It's fair enough, but I didn't enjoy it. Now they're making some more like, uh, I guess like casual to hardcore games, which are right up my alley and they're selling well. But I, what, I would, what I would do want to say here is that um, Mario Kart is taking off again. It is. It's taken off again from um, Animal Crossing. Animal
3: Crossing's so close to catching it, but uh, Mario Kart's like, yeah, nope. Do keep in mind it comes in most console bundles now, though. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if they
2: how they count them. I assume I shouldn't they would count them. They would. Yeah, because they counted Wii Sports. That was cheating. But yeah, damn it, Nintendo, you are cheating bastards. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, um, I also uh, just want to talk about some of the other uh, titles as well. Um, it's a, It's notable that uh, Ring Fit Adventure has sold ten point eleven million
3: copies. Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, that that's. I wouldn't have expected that to be. Uh, Ring Fit's cool, man. Like it, it is. It is a genuine game. I I definitely I
2: definitely agree with that. I haven't played it myself, but um, it's just yeah, just to be like a ten million seller. That's uh, that's nothing to look away from. That is a, a massive success. Yeah. And also last week we we actually just missed it, but Mario party or super Mario party actually received an update to uh, include online play, which is something it should have included at the very start. And uh, just to let everyone know, like everyone's sort of forgotten about super Mario party. It's like, Oh yeah. Like we played it a bit like, and it comes in handy when we went to packs. you know, switch comes out the backpack, joy cons hand around. It works very well. But apart from that, we didn't play it that much. And I um, personally haven't tried the online yet either, but just to put this into perspective. It sold fourteen point seven nine million copies. Uh, just just put it into comparison. That is not far away from the best ever selling PlayStation exclusive, <laughs> which is Uncharted Four. Really? Yeah, think Uncharted Four is like around
3: sixteen or seventeen million copies on the PlayStation Four. Why don't I think that? Like they they at least had one title that was up in the twenties. I don't think they do, but I'm not going to. I, I'm, I'm going to you, Google that when you, you are like talking about it. But you can, yeah, you no, can fact I, check me, but no, you, you would you would probably
2: be dead on. But,
3: but yeah. just like
2: put that in, into comparison, like because like Mario Party, Super Mario Party, it's fine, it's fine, like yeah. it's fine with a, a lowercase f, you know, it's it's, it's whatever. Uh, it's definitely not in the uh, the games I would recommend if you're getting a Switch. Um, But uh, it'll be fun if you have it in the right circumstance. But it's sold so much. That game needs support so bad. It needs a DLC. Like, people want it as well. Um, But, yeah, apart from that, um, Super Mario 3D All-Stars has also sold $9.01 which is just
3: kind of baffling while they put a cap on that, while they stopped. As as of March 2021, uh, Marvel's Spider-Man was the best-selling PS4 game of all time. 20 million units 20 million right gotcha yeah so even even still though 20 million units like shit <laughs> like yeah for for the install base that playstation has i expected a hell of a lot more
2: yeah that's the thing like um you can just see the difference between the audiences like um like i know like a lot of hardcore playstation fans they buy every single exclusive and i'm mostly in that camp too i've, I've bought most of them apart from days gone and i a couple of ones I just sort of let slip by, but uh, it's just like with Nintendo, I think everyone buys it and they're very much in the mindset of like, I'm going to buy the exclusives. But what I, what I did notice the other day, I was um over at a, a uh, one of our, our friends' places. They got like a little boy and a little girl and they've got a PlayStation 4 and a Nintendo Switch. And I'm like, oh, you've got a Switch in a PlayStation? Like on the PlayStation, he plays FIFA and, you know, Fortnite, all that type of stuff. I'm like, yeah, cool. Um, what are you playing on your Switch? That's that's more my wheelhouse. I'm I'm a big uh, big kid like that. What's on you? You're playing Mario, you're playing Zelda, you're playing Smash Bros. He's, but all all he was playing on it was uh, Rocket League and Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> but but that that's the thing though. Damn like, it. <laughs> it. It it kind of it kind of it made me like vomit a little bit in my mouth. I'm like, you yeah, know, serious? Where's this uh where's this first party Nintendo support? But but that that just goes to sh- I think that just goes to show, for me at least, that Nintendo has got to a place that it isn't just selling to people that just want Mario and Zelda. It is selling to people like, oh, this is a cool handheld and I could play Rocket League and Fortnite on it. Yeah. And that's why they got like the Fortnite bundles and all that type of stuff too. So,
3: um, you know, it isn't necessarily just people wanting Mario Odyssey and Zelda. I suppose. But in in the same vein as well, like I'm, I'm a firm believer that you buy the hardware that you want the exclusives for. You know, like we're, we're slowly getting to the point where exclusivity is hardly going to matter anymore, like at all. And it could eventually phase out, especially with, um, you know, the fiasco that, help, that happened with MLB The Show, which we talked about last week. And that being a PlayStation Studios game, yet being on Game Pass day one. Yeah. Presumably because MLB merchandising were down their throat, like, you need to put this on both. Yeah, I think because I I disagree. I think exclusives are very important for like the consoles because you, you no, can you can see with Xbox like you are you are completely misinformed in what I'm saying. I'm not saying they're not important. I'm saying that they're slowly phasing out. How how are they phasing out? What's your example? We talked about it last week. I can't remember last week. There bros. are a lot of PlayStation games that are now actually moving on to PC, and then we've got. You know MLB the Show hitting Xbox and stuff like that. So depending on the performance, there it is going to speak numbers, right? Yeah. You know Horizon Zero Dawn that's on PC, and then yeah, you I know, will say though that that came out four years after it did on it, PlayStation. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It kind of does matter. No, so. it doesn't because if you go back a generation, none of those fucking exclusives went to PC. None of them.
2: Yeah, and now they're sort of like experimenting because. That's what I said last week. On, 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 because <laughs> on PlayStation it just sells nothing at the moment. No, it's on PS Plus. It's on this. They're
3: giving it away for free. On That's this exactly uh, right. Play for home yes. thing. It's a market that they can tap into and yeah. profit, personally profit from. Yeah, but that would also mean that it's no longer exclusive just to a PlayStation console by doing so. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, is that you're not going to fucking see it on Xbox. Sure, but there is a universal platform right there called the personal computer in which they can do their own market with. Mm. And the reason that is, and I said this again last week, Epic <laughs> Games went from fucking zero to hero and have their own fucking launcher that they're doing shit on. And they've been buying people's exclusivity out from Steam and all that shit. It's obviously very clearly become a very profitable pl- profitable f- platform that they can profit from, from, Jesus, with no effort whatsoever, if they just literally fucking port it over and make it yeah. compatible with the fucking hardware, That's the thing
2: like I'd like Xbox like that is their platform. It's Windows, so you know That's whatever. Exactly right, but, but they don't get anything off of it. Yeah, but with um with PlayStation, I think they just don't. All they want to do is just they keep won't. you away from Xbox, which is a uh, don't know I don't know what their strategy because I I sort of imagine like oh I can get Halo in Horizon oh sweet. <laughs> So why do they just play here all the time? It's
3: it's kind of a weird situation. Like, what about the what about the state of Nintendo though? Obviously, exclusives very much matter on that. They aren't they aren't ever going to shift their budget, but that's because more or less that they're there. Um, they're very old, traditioned, and refuse to move with the times, and that is in everything they do. Doesn't matter what you fucking talk about. They're like the internet explorer of video game developers. Like as much as, as as good as their shit is, which is the complete opposite of internet explorer, which was terrible, you know. Um, I was about to say. <laughs> every, every decision that every other company makes is like 10 years in advance before Nintendo doing it and putting it up their hands saying, oh, look, we're part of the crowd now too. And they've already moved on from it, right? It doesn't matter what way you look at it. They're never going to change their stance on it. They're different, but... That's because they don't have to, I feel like. Not as much as PlayStation and Xbox do, who are always in direct competition with each other, even though PlayStation has been blowing them out of the water last generation. But the generation before that for PlayStation was pretty fucking scary for them. Yeah, They went from the best-selling console of all time across anything to an absolute flop that was being beaten out by a company that had only been in the market For two generations. They're getting beaten by an exploding console. (laughs) Exactly. They were getting absolutely fucking walloped by the (laughs) Xbox 360 until the end of its life when the PlayStation 3 was like cheaper to make and like all that nice stuff. But that being said, they've got to compete, compete with each other in the market. Xbox is in the position now that... It, it can provide to PC. They've made this universal app that's like, all right, you want Game Pass, cool. You don't even have to be a person who owns an Xbox. You can have it on PC. You can get games there with Game Pass. Subscribe to us. We'll give you, you know, this, and you give us a bit of cash, right? But I think that's what's so appealing to me in terms of the ecosystem with Xbox and why I started with Xbox this generation is because that ecosystem is whole house friendly. If you buy Game Pass... And you have an Xbox, right? You can play it on your TV. If you've got a personal computer, you can play it on your personal computer. If you've got a laptop, you can play it on the laptop. And it doesn't matter where you are in the house. If you own Game Pass and you've got an Xbox One, if you've been an Xbox fan since last generation or at least owned an Xbox One, you've got an Xbox One, you've got a Series X, you've got a PC, you get a laptop, you've got fucking, um, what do you call it? Smart Delivery. For like do do that on an app, iPad or something, you've literally got an Xbox in nearly every room in the home. Yeah, but will it run on Switch, Bryce? And speaking no. of
2: <laughs> speaking of XCloud on Switch, Bryce, this comes from Nintendo Life. Fucking hell, man! Cut me off, Jesus Christ!
3: <laughs> Just trying to keep the show moving, Bryce. I'm trying to keep the show moving. You're the one that was like, I don't remember last week, so I have to re-explain <laughs> everything. Jesus Christ. Well, I'm caught up now, mate.
2: So this is uh, this comes from the Epic vs Apple lawsuit that has started and a lot of stuff has actually yes, leaked did. from this, including um Is this about the phone calls? It's about emails.
3: You missed the important one. Damn it. What's what's
2: the phone call one? All right, I'll have to bring it up. No, you read right. this one, I'll read the next one. So this one, um, so the article reads, the ongoing legal dispute between uh, Epic and Apple is being live broadcast this week and includes a, a lot of incredible stuff has already come out of it. Tim uh, Sweeney, Epic's uh, founder and CEO, has uh, been repeatedly asked uh, to identify consoles. Uh, the money Epic paid out for the first nine months of free games on the Epic game store was revealed. And we've also got that really passive aggressive email in which uh, Epic attempts to sort of convince sort of threaten Sony into adding cross play to Fortnite. It's already been a bombshell after bombshell, but a bunch of well-paid execs who email people like they're telling a misbehaving child to do their homework. But it turns out that one exec in particular uh, is actually maybe quite pleasant behind the scenes. So this is uh, an email from Phil Spencer to uh, Mr. Sweeney. And he says, uh, I owe you a bunch of things and I'm behind. I apologize for that. Uh, just a lot is going on, but that's not an excuse. You've obviously seen our Sa- Samsung announcement and now our back. Now I'm back and forth with Apple. At the highest levels of Microsoft, we're committed to pushing these policies and continue to expand our console platform's ca- uh capabilities uh you can chime in as you feel um, but it goes on so basically there's a people are like oh is just does this mean that uh, uh x cloud or game pass could be coming to other consoles such as uh not the playstation that will never happen but everyone's really grabbing on to uh, the nintendo switch side of things like oh will yeah. we see it here and I, I'm, I'm personally like no fucking way nintendo does not want that no, they want to sell games on their own platform, make thirty percent on each game. Why are they? Why would they want this? These bad boys coming in. That's right. Yeah. But Bryce,
0: what,
3: what have you got there? What's what's the phone calls? <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> all right. Court uh, accidentally opens Epic v Apple dial in to all speakers. Fortnite kids go nuts. <laughs> Always double-check your conference call settings. The Epic v. Apple trial began this morning with kids yelling over top each other in a packed phone line. I would suck all of you to get Fortnite mobile back, said one voice. (laughs) (laughs) I missed the commotion when I dialed in to hear Epic's opening statement, but QC reporter Nicholas Rivero caught it, as did The Verge. While much civil court business has been taking place over Zoom since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, the Epic v. Apple trial is being held in person. Participants are required to wear masks, and the number of people in the courtroom is restricted, so that the public, press, and each party's extended legal team can listen in. The speakers have been mic'd in from, uh, and mic'd, and audio from the court is being broadcast live on dial-ins so that support a few hundred people. The lines are not supposed to let anyone outside the courtroom talk, but apparently this morning they did. The Verge, pe- the Verge heard people say, "Free Fortnite and bring back, f- bring Fortnite on mobile back, please, Judge." as well as play travis scott songs when i called in around 9 a.m pacific unaware that any of this had happened i was asked by the automated system whether i wanted to join as a host which i thought was odd i opted not to maybe it was unrelated i heard part of epic's opening statement was uh, without disruption But now the court issue has been fixed. It seems like a fitting start to a legal dispute that kicked off with Epic intentionally breaking Apple's rules and then launching an anti-Apple PR campaign directed at its Fortnite player base. And And then you've got this. There is a little snippet, I think. Hold on. Come on. Where are you? There. Come on.
2: Sounds like your typical
3: Fortnite fucking chat. Just, just people, yeah, people, people fucking calling in and they're like, "Free Fortnite, you assholes!" It's like I would <laughs> suck your wild to get Fortnite back on my phone. Like, no, I yeah, bet, I bet you wouldn't, mate. That's a, that's a bit much. That's no, just like, and <laughs> apparently, apparently, it was just an absolute mess. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> It was probably the funniest story I'd right away. Okay,
2: so you, you said to me, "Oh, you didn't get the phone call one." Why would I pull that up for our podcast? Because it's fucking funny.
3: <laughs> Duh, it's not the funniest over videos, bro. This is serious Nintendo talk. It's fucking funny. <laughs> what, what? 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 Okay, what did your story have to bring? Oh, oh, look, Game Puzzle's coming to Nintendo Switch. We've fucking heard that rumor a million times. All right, yeah, we we, we it's have. never fucking come true. We know it's not coming no. true. Well, I'm very much in the camp like the hell you guys on about no it's not happening it's not (laughs) at like i i i'm i'm of the belief that they have a pretty good partnership and that they'll bring you know more microsoft games to the console probably um but (laughs) yeah it's not going the other way around mate you just
2: pass me another drink bros another drink yeah beautiful all right let's get into the next one bros all right mate so um Nintendo uh, declines to uh, comment on the latest Switch Pro report. This is uh, from Video Game Chronicle. Ross, there's, there's, a, there's a little bit to this. So the article reads: Nintendo has declined to comment on a new Japanese report claiming it's planning to significantly, significantly uh, ramp up Switch production in anticipation of a new higher end model. Nikkei reported on Tuesday that Nintendo has asked its manufacturing partners to increase Switch production to 30 million units for uh, this physical year ending March 31, 2022. Uh, The figures would represent uh, Switch's highest production level to date and an unprecedented increase in the game's fifth year since launch. So it's just um, basically from this story, it's just interesting that they're ramping up their hardware. So um, they're making a lot more than they have in the past. So um, it kind of indicates that they've got some big software to sort of line that up with. Mm. So hopefully that means Zelda and you know Splatoon 3 and all that is actually going to hit within the next physical year. So, yeah, um, just a bit of an update on Fall Guys coming to Nintendo Switch. Uh, they announced that it will uh, be delayed from summer 2021, and uh, but it will be coming later on in the year with cross-play between Xbox Switch, PS4, and Steam. So that's going be, to be a lot, lot of fun to jump into. Beautiful. Personally, personally, I'm really looking forward to it on Switch. Though. It's going to be a great Switch game just to have. Because uh, like it's one of those, personally, I don't see myself like just like, booting up uh, like the PS5 for it when I'm because I've said this a million times whenever I boot up the PS5 I want to play like you know Uncharted or some big graphical showcase but um, yeah not really full guys <laughs> just, but Switch is just one of those pick up yeah, I'll play it and yeah all right so this is about Monolith Software Bryce so this is also from a uh, video game Chronicle and uh, Monolith announces a large expansion in Kyoto Nintendo Studio and adds And adds uh, 50 staff in the last year. So the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild uh, co-developer Monolith Soft is continuing to expand with significant numbers of hires. In recent years, Nintendo-owned Monolith has contributed to the creation of not just the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Wild, but also Splatoon 2 and Animal Crossing New Horizons. Monolith is also known for its Xenoblade RPG series. On Wednesday, the Japanese studio announced a large expansion of its staff in uh, Kyoto Studio, alongside the publication of six new roles, including 3D and 2D graphic artists. Uh, In total, the company has nearly 40 job openings listed on its website. The majority of these listings don't specify an exact project, but five are listed for the Legend of Zelda series, presumably uh, presumably (laughs) Breath of the Wild 2. Monolith has... Uh, expanded significantly in recent years with a new Kyoto studio opening in 2019 to take the company's total locations to four with some 270 staff across each, an increase of 50 in the last year. Once new new hires are filled, the company could be uh, uh, comprised of well over 300 people. So, pretty cool uh, news, bit of an interesting tidbit for uh, a studio that you know, contributes to a lot of games we absolutely love and you know with Nintendo we don't get that much insight to just like you know, how do you actually make your games like come on show us the behind the curtains you're not have a lot of people on computers
3: <laughs> but uh, apart from that you don't really know so it's just interesting whenever you hear about No, they've got, they got big testing rooms with crash dummies and mocap <laughs> suits and they're like, like yeah. what happens in Mario Kart they like put them on like a friggin A stage go-kart in the middle of the thing. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Good dude just goes flinging out, smashing against the wall. Can you imagine
2: development for Mario Kart 8? They're like, how the hell are we going to (laughs) test (laughs) anti-grab? Just like, yeah. Miyamoto comes in and just like all these uh, people just like, you know, with like broken
3: arms. and They're like, ah, we've got to figure this out. We've got to launch it in 2014. Get those men to a hospital. We aren't paying for it. (laughs)
2: All right, so let's move on to the uh, news about E3 2021, Bryce. So E3 2021 will include guest presenters Greg Miller, Jackie Jing, Alex, Golden Boy, Mandez. Meg Griller. Meg Griller. So this is from My Nintendo News, and basically they just sum up what the the hosts will be doing at um, E3. So E3 this year, for anyone that doesn't know, um, they're taking a different approach to it. It's much more of a digital presentation. Kind of similar to what uh, IGN or what what have you would do. They bring in developers, interview them, show off their games, all that type of thing. And E3 itself is actually doing that this year. And to do that, they've got three brand new hosts. So um, they've got a bit of a description about each uh, host. So I'll read them out. So Greg Miller, he is the co-founder of online entertainment outlet Kind of Funny. Miller has become one of gaming's most sought-after hosts uh, for various events across the industry. Known for his comedic and insightful takes, Miller has deep ties to uh, video and podcast content on video game culture, film, television, and comics. Jackie Jing is an Emmy-nominated TV journalist and current on-camera host and producer seen on IGN, Nerdist, Funimation, and Anime News Network. Jing has hosted several red carpet events and conducted dozens of celebrity interviews for AAA feature films. And Alex Golden Boy Maldes is uh, one of the top professional esports commentators, host of multiple fan favorites including Halo, uh, Fortnite, Halo, Valorant, Overwatch, uh, as well as commentator for NBC's The Titan Games. Mandez recently announced that he'll also be bringing his comedic styles to G Four. So pretty cool. Um, I'm very excited for one in particular, Greg Miller. Um, I'm a big kind of funny fan. Been Meg f- Griller. Been following yeah <laughs> Meg <laughs> Griller. <laughs> been following his content for years, so I'm really excited to see him at E3. And he's a fantastic host, whether he's you know at a paid event or his own content. So I- really cool for that.
3: I hope Meg Griller can cook when you go strange, mate. <laughs> That's what I need for my
2: E3. Yeah. So you can't do it for Jackie Jing. She's got two two J's. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> what about Alex Mendez? Malex and a- Andes <laughs>
3: Doesn't work as well. No, nah, it's Meg Griller, mate. It's Meg Griller. Meg
2: Congratulations, uh, Meg Griller on the, the brand new name. Mm. Mm. Meg Griller. Alright, bro. So uh just a, a quick update on Pokemon Go as well. Uh there's a Pokemon Go Fest 2020. It's gonna be happening on July 17th to July 18th. Uh, this was uh, the last year due to the pandemic. This was the very first Go Fest to be held worldwide. You can buy a ticket and play it in your local area. Uh, it was a lot of fun to um, be participating in uh, you know, the events, like the, like, I guess the bonuses and all that, and also sort of be included in your local community. Like we've got a, a Pokemon Go group which was just popping off at the time, and uh, I'm happy to see it sort of continuing on with that. Um, but it kind of has to because the you know, the world is. Uh, not exactly back to normal. It never will be. Never will be. Never will be. <laughs> Alright, Bryce, This one might make us a little bit sad. So, Detective Pikachu Star doesn't seem to think a second movie will happen, and this is from Nintendo Life. The article reads: We know filming a second. We know we know filming of the second Sonic the Hedgehog movie is underway, but what about the supposed follow-up to the 2019 film Detective Pikachu? A sequel, a sequel was even rumored uh, before the first one had been released. So, what's going on? According to Justice Smith, one of the lead stars of Detective Pikachu, it's probably best fans don't get their hopes up. During an interview with Inverse, Smith encouraged everyone to bury all hopes as he doesn't think it's going to happen. Of course, uh, if it does end up going ahead, he would love to participate. Here's the full exchange. So, speaking, uh, so Justice Smith said, I would love to participate in Detective Pikachu too. I don't know if it's going to happen. I uh, I think we have to just kind of bury our hopes. I don't think it's going to happen. I really hope so, though. Honestly, I'm such a huge fan. Who knows? Who knows? I hope so. End quote. So, don't know. How do you feel about no Detective Pikachu uh, sequel? We really enjoyed the film back in 2019. We went and we saw did. it together. We Took your daughter. She loved it as well. I bought
3: the Blu-ray, which is the first Blu-ray that I've bought in God knows how long.
2: Yeah. It was a really good movie. That's going to do pretty well for him. I can't remember, like, the, the big money
3: uh, figures that it made, but... Well, that's the thing about Detective Pikachu, I think. Like, we we went and saw the Sonic movie after that, I think mainly because Detective Pikachu went over so well.
2: Yeah, we love that. So, like, hey, just give us more um, yeah. real-life video game characters. Which,
3: which is something that I can't say I've ever said before with the amount of other movies that have come out and they've just been terrible, you know, for video games. But... Um, in terms of, like, I think Sonic we enjoyed. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fine. It was good. Right. It was good. Yeah. Better than most video game movies that I've ever laid my eyes upon. <laughs> it was campy, fun, and that's all that really mattered. Um, but Detective Pikachu, was, it was kind of special in its own way. Um, first of all, it's like the first time that they've ever really left it in the hands of people that... I guess, I guess at the time you would call them like the big old megastars, like um, friggin' Ryan Reynolds and stuff like that, and then obviously you've got Justice, who was the main character in the in the movie, mm. um, and a couple of guest appearances from other people as well. I suppose um, it was it was definitely one of those movies that you didn't really expect to happen, and if it was going to happen at all, a Pokemon was going to happen. And Pokemon movie, it was going to happen at all. It was not going to happen the way that we thought that it would. So before Detective Pikachu come along, if we'd ever imagined it that way, like apart from the animated movies, if we ever saw anything coming in real life, like it just wouldn't work if it was just like, oh, here's a trainer on his journey or, you know, whatever. It had to have more of a premise that was easier to, I guess, Condense
2: Something mostly out of battling, but still in the Pokemon
3: universe. Yeah. I, I mean, look, battling
2: could work even. And I think like- They had, they had a few battles in there. Like obviously the, um, I guess the, the one in the middle where it's in like the, the grunge area and the very end against uh,
3: the boss. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Um, But I think they needed something that's more condensable. And that's where Detective Pikachu comes in because it, it was kind of like, well- this story could be condensed down to just a a mystery movie, you know. This could work, and then they made it, and then it sort of just worked out and did what have you. And the only thing that was a little bit creepy was the uh, basketball arm pads that fucking Mister Mime had. But let's not talk about <laughs> that.
2: He gutted a poor basketball <laughs>
3: for that. And Char- Charizard looking way too, way too over the mark for realism. Um, and path. The Jigglypuff was fine, except the eyes were a little bit nightmarish. A little bit, yeah. A little bit nightmarish. I think that was about it, though. Like Snorlax in the street and stuff like that. That was yeah. cool. I
2: loved the. I loved how they sort of imagined every Pokemon in that type of art style, just like the. Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: yeah. They didn't fuck around. Like they, they did a really <laughs> good job of it. And you know, like even Greninja and stuff like that. Oh that yeah, was, that was awesome. Just like wet and disgusting looking, mm. like it would be
2: because it's a goddamn massive frog.
3: Yeah, <laughs> and the big land mass of Torterra and shit like that. You know. I, yeah, I really love that movie. It's, it was, it's a fucking awesome movie. it was awesome, yeah. It is a really awesome movie, which is something that doesn't happen for video games. I guess the thing is as far Where as- Where were we it, going with this conversation? No, we're just going- on <laughs> Detective a, Pikachu. We're just going
2: on a conversation. But um, I guess for the movie, they, they already had the outline of the story being the game that came out on
3: 3DS. Yeah, but that's what they needed.
2: Yeah, yeah. but like now they're like, oh, we've got to do
3: our own story. And I guess- it's t- they, they could do so much. Too hard for them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I think the issue is not that they couldn't do it again. I think it's that they set it up to be resolved and it was. Yeah.
2: And like they are making another Detective Pikachu game for Switch, supposedly. They announced it a few years ago now at one of those awkward Pokemon company presentations today. If, yeah. if you remember yeah. that, there was like no logo or anything,
3: but. No, they're just like, there's a second Detective Pikachu.
2: Yeah. Maybe they sort of want to they're going to start production of a, a movie when that game's out or something. Who knows?
3: Yeah. But regardless, personally, personally, it would be really cool to see something that's more deep dived and probably more in you know, a Pokemon reality type of thing. Um, but I think the main concern with that is, and I think most people could agree with this, but looking back in the day, right. Um, when resident evil movies were prominent, right. They were made by a, a director who now is famously outed as somebody who was careless with his stunt actors and stuff like that, that they've died and he's never acknowledged of it or the one that had a life crippling injury, lost their arm and all that stuff and Jesus made them purposely play chicken with other cars and like end up in <laughs> serious problems, you know, and he's a scumbag and he's been taken off that and somebody else has been given a reign for these new movies, which we were having discussion about then on Twitter in uh, one of Dylan's posts and i didn't realize that he had been taken off of it but i'm like oh feel thank fuck for that and he's not he's not on it but he he also did the monster hunter movie and the monster hunter movie is being panned so fucking hard which is a shame because the monster hunter movie could be fucking awesome and that is the problem right is you've got to have a person that's passionate about the project in charge such a such a weird premise for that movie too like monsters coming to the real world it's like that yeah, and then they and then they've got guns and then they're like oh what's what's uh, fucking What's her name's... I can't remember the actor's names now. Um,
2: yeah, Don't ask me. I haven't watched it. Mila
3: Djokovic? Sure. I think that's her. <laughs> they're like, oh, what's her, what's her weapon then? It's just like, oh, dual blades. I'm like, ah, oh, yes, of course. The dual blades. The iconic... Monster Hunter weapon, the dual blades that was uh, that is on the cover of every single Monster Hunter game ever. You know, not not the great sword or something, where it's like you know, it is the cover of the game and is the point, and it kind of drives home that Monster Hunter is about hunting big monsters with big weapons. Like yes. It, just it it's fuck if if you don't have any passion for the project or if, if your director doesn't have passion for the project i just wish you'd fucking stop and not bother
2: mm. yes yeah, so speaking of directors and, the problem. and screenwriters bryce we actually found a little bit out about the zelda cartoon that ad in the uh, in fucking the 90s me off
3: jesus christ you're, you're you're full of it tonight not <laughs> you're full of it tonight. what well, what more of a point do you have to make bros Fucking stop making movies about video games if you don't have a fucking passion for it, because you're just going to end up looking like you, Ball, or the Bowl, or this fucking dickhead who made the Resident Evil movies, doing it for money. You, Ball, literally made video games movies to evade tax. That's, all, that's the only reason he made them. <laughs> yeah. nope. Put him in the bin. All of them in the bin. <laughs> all of them, not just that one. All of them. <laughs>
2: So this comes from Nintendo Life and the uh, the article is uh, a, a Zelda screenwriter opens up about how much fun it was to make the TV series. And we don't haven't heard like much about the sort of the writing process of the Zelda cartoon. So this is a little bit behind the scenes. So the article reads, the Zelda cartoon series has had its fair share of critics, but like so many shows from the period, there are almost as many fans who would fight to the tooth to nail... Uh, to- tooth and nail. Tooth and nail, yeah. Tooth to the nail. (laughs) Tooth to the nail. Ouch. Yeah, that would hurt. (laughs) Uh, uh, Prevents anyone from saying anything even remotely negative about it. If you fall into the later camp, you've no doubt been interested to learn uh, that Rob Ford and not his sister Eve, who was originally reported, though she also worked on the show as well, one of the screenwriters of the show has spoken about how about has spoken about working on the series speaking on to uh Nancy boiler on twitter eve shared some of the comments made by her brother rob on the topic of the show and how uh, dic the company behind the series was focused on the super mario dick. brothers show uh yeah i make sure i said dlc not dick <laughs> <laughs> uh, which gave the zelda team more leeway when it came to scripts and design with relatively slim to, uh, slim to slow shot. Sorry, I'm sort of losing at the end here. Uh, with a relatively slim show bible to use, Ford and the other writers were given plenty of scope to develop the series as they saw fit. Uh, with the lead of the creation of the fairy character Sprite, which amusingly spawned from the, uh, from. Ford's childhood obsession with Tinkerbell's bottom from the <laughs> Disney movie Peter Pan. Amen. And it's funny because when you actually read uh, the, the the message, uh, Nintendo Life, the writer here, uh, Damien Mick uh, Farron, he actually uh, put that in a very much more family friendly way. <laughs> the original DM was uh,
3: not written like that. It wasn't. Tinkerbell. Is the original DM there? It is. Oh my God, I have to read it. All
2: right. So, well, we'll. we'll Tell you what, Bros, we'll uh, we'll get you to read it.
3: <laughs> there you go, Bros. So, right. so there's a bit there. Okay, sweet. So these are the original DMs, Bros. All right. I'll I'll, I'll add lib the conversation. Hey, I'm Brienne. I've been working on a Zelda series replay including all the spin-off material and I'm just about to go through the last cartoon adjacent work. Zelda's Adventure for CDi. I was wondering if you could if I could ask you some questions about what it was like working on the cartoon if you have some time, of course. Sure. So I guess my big question is, how much reference material were you given to work with? Did you get any sort of series Bible or were you just provided copies of the game, if that, and told to figure it out? We had a very short series Bible and no he he references at all. I was proactive and rented a console and the game to try it, but didn't get very far in and, uh, and quickly realized the game wasn't like the show at all, so I gave up. The Bible was basically a couple of sentences about each character and a few things about, like, avoid actual physical fighting and do zapping instead. Monsters killed go respawn at Ganon's act. Include that stupid excuse me princess joke at least once per episode because one of the producers thought it was that funny. (laughs) It's just one guy like, (laughs) Well, excuse me princess. Oh, shut up, Link. (laughs) I can't flink. <laughs> <No, no. laughs> Obs, I cringe at how sexist it was, but this was in the 80s and everything was still pretty sexist. The show actually thought they were pretty modern because Zelda didn't wear a frilly dress usually. Do you remember if the Bible included anything about the non game characters like Sprite and King Harkinian, or did you and the other writers come up with them? Oh, they were in there. Pretty much the only characters we came up with were the ones that were there just for one episodes, so like the knight. Hey, I just asked my bro if he remembers anything he got asked a while ago and he saved his response. <coughs> Jesus, I'm getting dry really quick, man. Didn't know anything about the game, though my son Max knew it. He was thrilled because they gave us a free cartridge of the game to play. I ended up having to make him a link sword and shield out of wood. For myself, the manual was quite helpful in laying out the show parameters. Zelda was almost invisible at the time. It was only on Fridays. The other four days were the Super Mario Bros. Super Show, which had all the studio attention that was being run by Bruce and Reed Shearley. Since I had a live action components and they were pounding through four scripts a week to my one, I found myself being left completely alone other than, with, than a few budgetary and FCC requirements. It's actually my favorite way to work. Ganon had a long flowing robe, which is expensive to animate, so I decided to just have him teleport everywhere. (laughs) It was much cheaper and looked cooler. The fairy was a very minor element in the original game. I decided to make her a character and make her cute, because like many males working in the animation business at the time, my first sexual fantasy character had been Tinkerbell. That scene where she stands on the mirror worrying that her butt is too big still gives me wood. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Named her sprite for very obvious reasons, and when it cleared the trademark search, that became her name from then on. From previous cartoons, I'd already gotten tired of heroes that only restored the status quo. Villain does something, heroes stop him. Problem with that is it makes the villain the most interesting character. So I decided to give each side a triforce and have a fair percentage of the shows involving our heroes taking the initiative of trying to get Ganon's Triforce away from him. The Link-Zelda relationship was based on the show Moonlighting, which was popular at the time. VP of Creative Affairs, Robbie London, felt we should have used it as a relationship model, and I was fine with that. One of the great things about Robbie was that he had no problem making decisions, which is honestly a huge help. You don't have to agree with the decision, just so long as he made it quickly and firmly. Once you have that, you can move on. Example... He also came up with the idea of, excuse me, princess, based on the Steve Martin, excuse me, gag, which was popular at the time. In all honesty, I didn't think too much of the phrase and decided to tease him by using it constantly so he'd get sick of it. Instead, it became immensely popular. So props to him. He was right after all. And John Grust, the line producer, used to complain that I spent half the show with people hurtling through the air, firing weapons... But he did a great job of pulling off pulling it off on budget. Best memory of the show was that Andy Hayward, the president of DIC, <laughs> Deek. <laughs> Do you not remember that in, that that thing that would come at the end of old cartoons? It was like a window, and it was like going through a bedroom, and go Deek. Oh, uh, I remember the bed for the window, but not Dick. Deek. No. no, I don't remember that. No, I'll, I'll have to find it on YouTube. It it exists. It's a thing. They would say Deek. Um, realized toward the end of the scripting that absolutely no one had been overseeing Zelda's scripts. So he sat down one day and read them all at once. He's that kind of guy. I figured I was it, I was about to get re-am, uh, reamed sorry <laughs> for all the sneaky innuendo I managed to slip in but Annie actually likes a bit of edge to his shows. He looked up, beamed and said everyone's a gem and didn't touch a thing. Overall Zelda was lots of fun. So basically it just tells me he was a very Sexual being <laughs> <laughs> that really got to just have fun with the show in general without much supervision whatsoever. Yeah, it seems interesting because, like, just the whole <laughs> idea that they cared way more about the
2: Mario Bros. Super Show mm. than the Zelda cartoon, so they're just like, oh, we got kind of free reign. Yeah, and also the idea what we we're talking about before, like, you know, with the Resident Evil and Monster Hunter movies, the director sort of has no idea about the initial product in this case too like you know if he went he, at least he tried to do the right thing go and play the original Legend of Zelda game but then he's like you know what nah <laughs> it's nothing like it just okay. don't worry about it please Please tell me you remember this I'll put it to the microphone
3: no I don't <laughs> I actually don't <laughs> it doesn't it, That that's somebody putting it over it but it, it did literally actually, no
2: I should don't I actually don't remember that here it least. is here,
3: here is the original What? yeah okay that rings more of a bell Deek <laughs> I was like I was like what do you mean DLC what the fuck what are you on about or DIC I'm like what the hell are you on about and I'm like it's Deek <laughs> it's, it says it it says Deek is that how I should have pronounced it like uh, Deek
2: Deek alright so let's move into the last story Bryce before we wrap it up yep uh, Nintendo Wire um, reported that uh, Space World 2000 uh, 2000 Silver until Game Boy Advance has been found so just a bit of a, a backstory for this. When the, in 2000, oh sorry, in 2000 at space world, space world was, uh, the convention for Nintendo to show off its products to investors. And, uh, yes, it um, certainly was pretty much the E3 good old Space a, World at the time, um, for a lot the, of leaks
3: from them lately.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's where a lot of the gold and silver demos and that came yeah, from. That's right. Um, but, uh, this this was the year when they announced the GameCube and the Game Boy Advance, and the Game Boy Advance were in uh, like different colors. There was different prototypes for the Game Boy Advance. So we'll go into a bit more detail in Nintendo Wire's article, and it reads, It's been an interesting week for ultra-rare Nintendo console variants, with uh, Queen Elizabeth's uh, Golden Wii recently going up for sale for a hefty uh, $300,000. Another ultra rare system has also resurfaced. Resurfaced. This time, it's to unrelease silver and teal Game Boy Advance from Space World 2000. Andrew, who goes by at Gaming Legend 64 on Twitter, is currently in possession of the elusive handheld. He hasn't uh, yet revealed where it was found or how it was obtained, but he teased that more details will be following up. Uh, will be coming in in hard. 4 games Jesus, I just... I just, I never actually read out a username, but Hard4Games. So don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't call yourself. Uh, YouTube it's hard video. for games
3: Drew. Just let it be.
2: Uh, YouTube, including a cool surprise. So I actually checked out Hard4Games. He actually runs a fantastic YouTube channel where he um, goes into... Uh, gives a lot of information about a lot of these consoles. And he did one for the prototype for the Game Boy Advance. That was shown at Space World 2000. And um, as someone who's like... Absolutely loves like learning all about like these uh you know little things from Nintendo's history. It's really interesting to see how the Game Boy Advance prototype sort of started off. Obviously, the color is the more different thing. There's a variance for see through and uh, just uh, silver ones with teal and orange buttons. Um, but the more significant ones is when you turn this on, it doesn't have the typical Game Boy Advance like sound. It has a different sound coming onto it. no oh, right. It's actually got like a different board on it as well compared to what the uh, retail unit was. Does it have a clip there? Uh, it does, but um, I've got my phone hooked up to it. Oh, well, find uh, it. I'm not going to be able to find it quick enough, Bros. I'm afraid. We'll talk about it for a minute and I'll find it. Yeah. Uh, well, Game Boy Advance, hard to multitask.
3: <laughs> I'll talk about it for a second while you find it. Okay. So... um. Just sort of peddling back to $300,000 for that gold Wii. You think we could just get the Queen to give it to us?
2: <laughs> well, the thing is, the Queen's already sold it.
3: Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll click, uh,
2: I'll click on that story. I actually haven't heard about the a gold Wii selling because I remember hearing about it. So read that story. I will. No, yeah. Go to that story I, d-
3: I don't remember it being sold. I knew she had it. Uh, in two, the 2009, former publisher THQ had a very interesting way of promoting the the otherwise unremarkable uh, un- 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 vaporware, big we, uh, big uh, so we titled Big Family Games. The company decided to send the Queen of England a 24-carat gold-plated Wii alongside a golden Wii remote and nunchuck, as well as a copy of the game. The royal family does not accept gifts, however, which left the actual whereabouts of the item unknown for a long time. A decade later, in 2019, Chris Bratt, host of the YouTube uh, group People Make Games, invested the, in, investigated the whereabouts of the Monokine console. and Discovered it had wound up in the hands of a collector named Donnie. Hmm. Donnie is currently in possession of the Golden Wii, but not for long. He has recently listed the rest system on eBay for a fixed buy now price of three hundred thousand dollars. In an interview on Console Variations, the console database website of which Donnie is the founder, the collector reveals how he came into the in uh, came to the decision. The reason I'm selling it is simple. I'm moving on with life. Uh, that's all I really have to say about that. Uh, Donnie was also asked if he ever imagined himself selling the item back when he obtained it. He said, My fam- my family was never fi- uh, very fine, healthy financially, so money was always needed. I never wanted to sell it. However, I'm always curious as how much someone would give for it. I wanted to keep it with me just in case I, I'll open a museum. Cool. And there's a lot of pictures of it actually that he's posted, which is uh, quite cool. I would like a golden Wii. I think that it would be like stupid cool to own, but at the same time, like why? You play Scarlet Sword on it. You're like, yeah, now I've got the gold controller, gold nunchuck, and the gold Wii. So let's let's check out this let's check out the system on eBay. It is at three hundred thousand dollars. I I would have I would have imagined that. US too. Yeah, $300,000 US. I would have imagined that he would have put it up for bid at a baseline price of $300,000. Like, that just seems more reasonable because then he could actually gauge what people are willing to pay for a 24-karat gold Wii. But, yeah, more power to you. Awesome. Anyway.
2: um, So, yeah, I've, I've got the clip from um, Hard 4 Games video. Um, to check out the, the difference between the boot-up sounds on the prototype Game Boy Vance. There we go.
3: Has that sweet beta BIOS boot up sound.
2: Wow. Yeah, so completely different. For comparison, here's the retail version. Now I did dump the BIOS of the. Oh, yeah,
3: very cool. That's very mad. So I'll leave the, the link to the video in the show notes if you want to go and check out that. He did say something very important there, which is good too. Um he actually dumped the BIOS of the console. So that means good things for people who want to emulate all those Space World yeah. demos and stuff like that, um, because it wouldn't run on original hardware, I don't think. But it'll definitely wa- it'll definitely run perfectly on that.
2: Yeah, because uh, in this one, he was actually he was talking about uh, the orange buttoned variant, not the teal one, that's in the, this article. Yep. And the way they found that it was in an auction uh, in Japan where they actually had like multiple consoles. Um, let laid out, and the Game Boy Advance was just in that bundle. He's like, and he, and like the person looked at it, and went, "Huh, I think that's one of the prototypes." And he bought the lot, and it turned out it was. when they let him borrow it for that video. Yeah, right. Yeah, so just like you know, or it just shows you like you know, this information is like very you know you've got to you've got to know your Nintendo history to like know like you know. Uh, like for example, everyone probably knows what the prototype DS looked like when they announced it at E3 2004. Yeah. yeah. Um, like you know, big chunky looking thing. So if you saw that, you're like, I think that's a prototype DS. But this one, it very much does look like a Game Boy Advance. Yes, just it does, different yeah. colors and um, you know, the the trigger buttons and that are a little bit different as well. So yeah, pretty cool stuff. Thought I'd just bring it to everyone's attention. Yeah,
3: right. Yeah. Very right. interesting. Very
2: interesting. Hmm. I want want, want one. Don't know how much they cost, though. God knows. All right, Bryce. So let's let's jump into the the House of Mario's Red Coin recommendations. Whoa, Bryce. So this one is uh, pretty obvious. We talked about it for the first half of the show. Brand new Pokemon Snap. The new one, not the old one. It's uh, $80 on the Nintendo eShop. Go and get it. Absolutely. You can use a voucher to get it a bit cheaper, or you can go to one of your local retailers and pick it up, a digital, uh, a physical copy.
3: They really should have, actually, now that I'm just thinking about it real quick, right? Real quick. Why didn't they make it like a pre-order bonus or something that you could get a copy of the original Pokemon Snap on Nintendo Switch? Feels like a no-brainer. Yeah, it does a bit. Fuck. <laughs> Nintendo. Um,
2: a lot of the pre-order bonuses were like <coughs> posters and stuff. I guess that was easier than porting an old game. I don't know.
3: It's just, it's, it's just annoying. Like pre-order bonuses are just, they're tossware these days. I, I, uh, while I was in, <laughs> while I was in Ballarat, I would, like set it in order while I was in um, like the main mall in Ballarat and I'm like, all right, cool. I'll go pick up near Replicant on the way out. Picked up near Replicant and then like opened it when I got in the car just to make sure the disc was there and fucking lo and behold, there's a pre-order bonus. I'm like, sweet. Cool. <laughs> okay. What was it? Like costumes a key and stuff. Chain. <laughs> oh, yeah, a
2: lot of because um, I see JB Hi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Their exclusive pre-order bonus for Mario Golf is mm-hmm. a golf ball. Yes, it is. I'm like, sweet.
3: Now <laughs> we like, gotta kick- go golfing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm never gonna hit that ball. It's a
3: Nintendo collectible. It's got
2: mm-hmm. it's got Mario Golf written on it.
3: Oh, not my Mario. All
2: right. So the other two games are picked out. There's literally nothing really out this week that I've noticed on the Nintendo eShop. Could be mm-hmm. wrong, obviously, but this is what I've got. So I've got Mum Hid My Game 2. Oh, uh, yeah, hey, shit. No,
3: I forgot that come out. Do you remember Mum Hid My I Game? I certainly do. It yeah. came out very early in the Switch's life. Yeah, Very, a very, very, very long time ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the
2: summary for it is, my game is missing again. Take back to hunting for consoles hidden by mum. Let's Fucking f- mum. <laughs> let's find the game console mum hid is it under the sofa or on the fridge could it be behind the curtains too give me back my game find the game in each level using various items the sequel to the previous mum hid my game is a easy going and funny escape game so there you go and i picked this one out because uh am my like, all right all right. <laughs> it's got awesome. a it's got a massive description, which is going to be actually pretty funny to read. I do want to point out. I do feel bad for making fun of games, like you know, people put the heart and souls into these things. <laughs> but some of some of the some some of like the the write ups are like, all right, that's enough. Sounds like you're writing on your blog, <laughs> trying to describe uh, don't know your holiday or something. But this game's called Card Demolition Quicker. It's uh, ten dollars and fifty cents on the Australian eShop. And the summary for it is, ever dreamed of smashing your own car? Or maybe a car of your neighbor's? Well, now you have the chance. Grab your weapon, uh, call out your battle drones and start clicking the car into oblivion. Earn cash, upgrade your equipment and find more vehicles to destroy. Tons of upgrades, support weapons, special abilities and explosions. Taste of destruction at its best. This is the best clicker game. Then this is the bit where it gets a bit weird. I don't know why you'd put this bit on the eShop. We put so much effort into the graphical detail and design to bring you a high quality product. Ally in the night, construction site or gas station are some of the beautiful stages we have cooked up for you. Try to destroy different types of cars from a van through American truck to a massive bulldozer. Break the window, smash the hood, blow the tires, and in the end, blast them with a rocket launcher, our main goal was to create a unique clicker experience. Both graphics and gameplay, you'll see cool destruction mechanics, nice visual effects, car paint that gets more and more scratched. But what brings even more fun is buying those high-level support weapons. If that's not enough, Use stage hazards like explosive barrels to call upon battle drones to destroy the cars even faster. You will love these tools of destruction, but beware—boss fight can be tricky. Better buy some damage perks just in case. So that's the write-up for car.
3: What? Sorry, demolition asleep. clicker. I fell asleep. Sam. So, yeah. Jesus Christ! Unique experience. Uh, click away on it's your. It's a clicker game, guys. You fucking click. I just love the bit in there
2: where it just goes we put so much effort into graphical detail. Just buy the game please just buy it. We put so much detail in the click and to be fair, I can't tell the difference between the screenshots in my actual car so they've please, done they've, please they've please done it. Good some,
3: job let me let me see this amazing graphical uh, it, it looks like a, a buggered up car
2: like I me mean, the, the graphics aren't you know they're not
3: bad I don't know if uh, no guys that guys they look nice but when you're convincing people to buy your game. And look, I would just like to say this could very easily just be a J. In fact, it looks like it is just a JPEG on a foreground that will rattle around when you click it. It doesn't look like... Like, what the fuck is going on there? <laughs> like, you know, fair enough, guys. You want to make some quick money and you're abusing the clicker format, which historically has been mostly free to create a game that you are hoping to sell gigabyte on the download size. (laughs) How uncompressed is this game? It's a clicker game. What? Try to think of the games that are like 2.4 gigabyte. How big was Pokemon Snap? That was the latest release. Like, I think that's seven. Yeah, it's not too big. Yeah, seven gig. This is a clicker game. What happened, guys? It's like a third of the size of Pokemon Snap. A game with like actual 3D environments and things going on with a huge orchestral soundtrack. You didn't compress this, did you? You don't worry about it, brass. Anyway, anyway.
2: Don't have to worry about it quicker clicker too
3: much. Mm. Unless you're gonna pick it up and talk about it next week. Again, like you said earlier, not 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 you know, people put effort and time into these things and stuff like that, but I'm starting to think. That if you're putting out a quicker game that's that uncompressed and looks like it is just a JPEG on a background, probably didn't put a lot of passion into it. You just wanted $10.50. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, Bryce. Uh, I think that was a great show. I enjoyed it. Do you enjoy yourself, Bryce? Sure. Sure.
3: <laughs> yes. You kept cutting me out every time I fucking spoke, but that's all good. You know what, Bryce? Yeah, I've got to step in every now and
2: again as a host, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. No, we're at two hours, mate. All right,
3: mate. I've upset him, ladies and gentlemen, but- it It's is- all right. Just talk about stats for the 50th time. It is what it is because- No, sorry. Make that 150th time. Yeah, it might be close. <laughs> you, know, you would be. <laughs> anybody, guys, thank you very much
2: listening to The House of Murray, episode 185. If you enjoy the show, follow us on your podcast platform of choice, wherever it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can join our Discord community. There is a link in the show notes below and a big shout out to the guys and followers following us or watching us on youtube.com slash Uh,
3: Don't worry, kids. Mum and dad aren't fighting. We're just playing fighting. Okay? I'm sorry. (laughs) Bryce, this- you're not on the next episode. Please. Please. If you're there, I'm not there either. Please. Please. I don't want a divorce. <laughs>
2: uh, a, bit, a big thank you to Wacko Jacko, JRX1 Games, uh, Dave Langley. Dave hey, Langley's Dave watching. Langley. <laughs>
3: Dave Langley. doing, Dave?
2: So, yeah. We, uh, we don't have any schedule necessarily for live streaming this, but we just record our um, recording sessions whenever we get the yeah, time to
3: do it. I think this just makes it easier. Yeah, so. You know, if, it's good to see Wacko Jacket there too. How are you, man?
2: Yeah, so guys, thank you very much.
3: If I knew we had comments there, I would have opened up on my phone, but I, I guess just, not. I just kind of assumed that we wouldn't, and uh, yeah, we do. So thank you very much,
2: guys. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Anyway, Bryce, the doors to the House of Mario episode 185 are closed. It's a song for this week. Don't have one. Get out. <laughs> wow. Ouch. Bye. <laughs>